you're listening to Garage Hammer, episode 101. On tonight's episode, the boys talk to their friend Jake, who won some Buckeye battle thing. And then they talk more monstrous arcanum, because it's not enough that they gotta fight all this other stuff. They'd like to bring big beasties into it, to prove their worth. Uh, they should just shave their heads and paint them orange. And you lot, shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the Garage, you tools. For the next two hours or thereabouts, we're going to do the best we can to inform, entertain, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you idols, ends, and the eye of the buck. I'm your filth-embracing ringer, Chris Yu. And I'm Fresno Bob. No clue. Not really? Fresno Bob? Yeah. Give think me a hint. Think of, no, no, no. I can't give you a hint on the air. going to see if anyone just knows it. By the I don't way, think I'm going to get any of your references. Well, I try to make them not too obvious, you know, but... It's... Well, not, not obvious is one thing, but they're so, um, <laughs> you know... Okay, Rufus... <laughs> what, what was it? Rufus T. Firefly last time? I believe it was yeah. Rufus T. Firefly. Rufus T. Firefly, Firefly <clears throat> is the president of Fredonia, uh, as played by Groucho Marx in the 1930s classic uh, Duck Soup. Um, so that was a Groucho Marx... Character Rufus uh, T. Firefly, the president. It's good of that you're uh, you have your hand, fingers on the pulse of uh, pop culture. Hey, just because my just because the depth of my knowledge is it goes beyond yours. There's no <laughs> need to uh, to come at me. Okay, is it, your, your depth is certainly way beyond mine. I have some depth, and <laughs> and you know, uh, it's, this is a gift we all have. Some of us are just more full of it than others. And yes, see. Yes. But uh, so Fresno Bob, I'll give you it. Remind me during the commercial break, and I'll give you the off-air hint because I want to see who knows this one, just gotcha. straight off. You know, interesting. Well, that said, how you doing? It's good. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> episode one hundred and one, episode one hundred. Thank you to all the people who've been emailing and um, tweeting all the congratulations and, and and yeah, and the kind words about the show. Um, people that I didn't really think listen, like, I haven't listened since, like, episode one or episode two. I'm like, honest to God, really? Someone's listening. I, I, <laughs> I guess we're saying stuff that people want to hear. I don't know. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it the whole time I thought they were just tolerating me, and they actually really like it. Ah, oh, boy. Okay, so you know what? We should take a time to thank our sponsors, and we should probably mention them and get them yes. listening when we're not saying how much our show sucks. <laughs> so. so thank you, sponsors. Uh, those people include Unique Gifts and Games, located in where? Grays Lake, Illinois. Mirce Miniatures. M-I-E-R-C-E Miniatures. Mantic Games. Building Bigger Armies. Guild Painting. Dot com. And finally, lest we forget, Battle Foam, protecting your army. I think you like doing that as time goes on more and more. I love doing it. <laughs> it's almost it's, a little too much. It, I, it, you know what? It's an obscene amount of delight that I draw from <laughs> saying that like that. Because it's just so stupid. And somehow it caught on. Mm. You know, and there's a lot of people who recognize that it's stupid and hate it, and I get that. You can hate. You no, go, it's, it's, you know, but it's fine. It you know, has character, and it sticks in people's minds. So. It's got something. It's full of it, too. <laughs> it's full of depth. <laughs> <laughs> Getting out of ours here. 
Yeah. Oh boy. So um no no big real shout outs or uh voicemails in oh. the last couple of days. But I mean we've been getting all the people saying congratulations. I mean it's there's This is true. Yeah. Um in fact most of the emails I've gotten I got some really great contest entries like the day we released the episode. I saw yeah, a few stragglers came in. And we got some, some tweets too, good. like yeah. After we're done recording, like, hey, how do I enter Contest NATO? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, Ugh. Well, you know the that vampire one that hey, you come mm-hmm. listen to Garage Hammer. Um, <laughs> That's a great that, one. By that me. actually came in after after we said, hey, listen, um, because I spent all the time editing it, I didn't go mm-hmm. listen to it again afterwards, and apparently I let I let a bad language word go by. But did I play um, those four? Bumpers with Sigvald and all those guys. Uh, I don't I remember hearing in? them. I thought you were going to hold them until maybe this episode. Okay, I couldn't remember, but I didn't. Rem- I, I couldn't find the files anywhere. I'm like, if they're still in my Dropbox, then I never put them in the show. Uh, so maybe we'll put them into this show. Absolutely, because they deserve to be heard. And I felt really bad afterwards. No, they're they're really well done. I thought maybe you were kind of spreading out the wealth, not. Uh, Oh no! I was, it was four and a half hours. What was another two and a half minutes? <laughs> I was bombarding them with everything I had. Um, and like I said, I didn't. I did. We didn't have the whole thing with the. I know we didn't have the twenty minutes where Chris got all his gifts and stuff like that. Sure, but you can go back and listen to that. The show's four and a half hours without any more playing twenty minutes from old episodes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we but, should add those in. I think they're like nice little gems. I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm glad people sent in. I mean, you guys, I really do appreciate. Yeah, people stepped just, up in a big way. Lots of good stuff. Yep. Now, I'm just, I am also like semi computer illiterate, which is why if you sent in something and it was like on a video clip or something like that, I haven't figured out how to pull the audio off that and convert it just to an audio track. So hmm. that's just me. I'm dumb, but <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm claiming stupid. You can get away with that for a while. I I've been doing it depth. for forty-two years. I do have depth, uh, not computer not knowledge. Technological not technological depth. No, no, no. I just sit gotcha. there and, and eat lollipops and 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 nod while Daniel explains the computer stuff to me. I'm like, thank God you understand it. Gotcha. And thank God my brother-in-law understands it, Uncle Randy, because the computer we're skyping on tonight is my family's home computer, which I stole from them for the evening because. Mine died about three hours before we were supposed to record. And, You're probably uh, working it a little too hard. Yeah. <laughs> it made it to episode 100. 100. That's it enough. Was, <laughs> and it gave it up. <laughs> oh, she was a good one. Oh, my God. It's a new era. Start of a new so century. If, if anyone wants to call and, uh, and, and, and throw in any other ideas about what they thought about the show... Or if they want to leave us any other voicemails, mm-hmm. um, we have voicemail. We have it. And oh, what's the number, Chris? Uh, you know, I love. See, this is proof. If we ever get to somewhere, I say, you know, Christopher never, Chris never really paid attention to what I was. Uh, oh, it's uh, believe me that the number is burned, etched into my brain forever. Yeah, I'm like, I don't he think I can ever like he doesn't know it. So, well, it's it's one seven five seven GH so six. Oh, look at that. One seven five seven GH show six international callers trace zero zero one seven five seven GH show six. If you have no letters, it's four four one four six nine six. Call now. Call often. Operators yeah. are standing by. 
<laughs> All right. Hey, guys, we're going to take a break, and uh, we will come back with news and rumors and uh, toolbox and KSX Superstore, and we've got guests and stuff. It's going to be a good show. So we'll be back in a, a few a minutes. Panoply, a, a panoply. A of panoply topics. of topics. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. We'll be All right, right Bye. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. Are back. Back, 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 and back, and back, back. And keep, and back. keep going. And back. There we go. And back. One more. And back. Perfect. <laughs> what? What are we doing? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> All right. How do I know? Cool. I'm Fresno Bob. I don't have any idea. Okay. Whoever that is. <laughs> All right, so we're on to the news and rumors, which is uh, brought to you by the Circle City Circuit. Circuit, circuit, circuit. Anything out there, news and rumors-wise? Dude, I got nothing. I mean, it's... I, uh, one thing I did see, I didn't mean to cut you off there, no, but on the Forge World site, they've added a bunch of um, orc stuff. Is that new? I th- I don't know. Well, 40K orc, I should say. I, I don't remember ever seeing this before, but I don't always go into the 40K side of things, but there's a lot of, like, orc bikes and supplementary, like, cannons and arms that you could put on those big killer cans. Oh, see, that stuff's always awesome. I is, love... that, is that new? Yeah, I think I don't remember ever seeing this stuff. Trying to look right now. I know, like, the uh, some of the stuff is not. Like, I know the uh, mm-hmm. Defrola and that. Oh, that's not new. Okay. It's not new because no, I have one. Oh, you do? Yeah. It's not on the list of new stuff. Ah, okay. There I don't you go. see it on the new on the pages for the new stuff at all, so no. So I guess maybe it's not. I do love what they that they sell all the extra bits. Oh yeah, this bike stuff's been around the Mega Dread. Yeah, I've seen this stuff. Has it? Before. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wish they would do the same thing for fantasy in terms of like selling just supplementary yeah. parts. Cool stuff you could add on, mm-hmm. you know, to your steam tanks or to your other other object. Yeah. Yeah. Because they sell, they sell. Uh, you can buy, especially for Space Marines, you can buy specialized shoulder pads and mm-hmm. all sorts of different weapons and stuff. It would be really cool if they had it. I mean, I know why they don't have it in under Warhammer Forge, but it's like, oh, it makes me sad. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. But in terms of news and rumors, I, you know, I, I hear some rumblings about Bretonian stuff coming up on the horizon, but nothing real concrete. I've been hearing that all year, but it's basically, I mean, at this point, there's only like three books. 
that haven't been redone, isn't there? Don't we only have three? Bretonians, Skaven, and Beastmen. Are the only ones that aren't in hardcover anymore, aren't they? I believe so, yeah. So, you know, so the rumors that it's going to be Bretonians, Skaven, and Beastmen, no matter what order you put them in, I mean, that's that's a pretty mm-hmm. safe guess, I suppose. Well, the John Gazik, who, who we both know, yeah. uh, posted on IWFB a, a, a rumor. Take these for a grain of salt because, you know, who knows okay. how accurate these are. But um, new models for Bretonia would include a box of Grail slash Questing Knights, five models with several different weapon types. Okay. Uh, that's one. Second is a Virtuous Knight slash Lost Knights. There's no further info on there, so whatever mm-hmm. those are. Pegasus Knight slash Knight of the House of the Bear. Is that a new thing? Uh, These would be um, nothing. heavy, heavily barded Siege Knights that are slower, have really good armor, some type of moving wounds, and bonus attacks on the charge, and bonuses versus buildings. Oh, cool. Uh Next up would be a, a Grail Reliquary slash Altar of the Lady. The Reliquary is pulled by peasants and has offensive magic powers, whereas the Altar is pulled by foot knights and has per, per defensive magic powers. That actually sounds like it could be true. That sounds like something that's that we've seen. You know, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's more common to this. It edition. follows their pattern. You know? uh, and the fifth and final thing are Grail Pilgrims slash Foot Knights. It's a multi-kit based on pilgrims with additional armor to convert them into foot knights. It seems that the Pegasus Knights are the same with additional heavy bards to convert them into House of Bear Knights. So, I don't know. See, yeah. You know, it's... I'm hoping it'll come out. I'm hoping it's true, but I'm just basically... You know, 7th Ed came out, and then the Orc book came out, and they've mm-hmm. got the 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 new the new box set is or I'm, Orcs and uh, uh, Space Empire, Wolves. No, Orcs oh, and oh, Space yeah, Wolves. No. So... The Space Wolves haven't had a new book in quite a long time, mm-hmm. and they can use an update. So I'm actually thinking they just put this out. You're probably going to see Space Wolves next, you right? Know? So with just everything's sort of getting pushed down. So I don't know what mm-hmm. to expect. I mean, it's cool because I like to read the fluff for that other game too. But mm-hmm. I just I, it's like, oh, we've hit a dry spell. I think we're hitting a bit of a dry spell at the moment, right? You know, not a bad one. I mean, considering that they did like five books last year, and they well, it's a little bit of a break. Years. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a bit of a. Whew, thanks. Yeah. But uh, I am I am anxious to see what's coming up. But as far as news and rumors goes, blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, nothing. I think it's early on. They're, they're, they'll start hitting Fast and Furious probably in a couple months here. Yeah, probably right after I release this episode. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> And always really cool stuff happens, like, while I'm editing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> come on. So, But that's it for the news and the rumors brought to you by the Circle City Soy Kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I suppose we could, might as well just move right onto the, onto the toolbox, which is brought to you by... Kazakh Superstore. Kazakh Superstore. Kazakh Superstore. So we'll start off with uh, reading. Me? None. You? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just gloss right over that. Yeah, we won't have that conversation again. Yeah, I once I'm just going to stop saying that I'm reading for after Olinor because I think that's a given <laughs> at this point. Um, and I haven't read anything else, although I have been listening um, to more uh, Monster Hunter International from Larry Correa, which is uh, I got that on uh, from Audible, and I really like it. Uh, if you like uh, a, a good sort of you know 
solve the mystery, stop the bad guys, figure out what's going on, sort of action-adventure book. These are pretty cool because um, they're after monsters. And what's cool is now that I'm finishing up the second book, um, like all the monsters that you've heard about seem to exist in some way, shape, or form. Um, in fact, the cults that they're fighting in the first two books are basically Cthulhu cults. Hmm. Interesting. So if you like your, if, if you like a little call of Cthulhu, they've got that stuff mixed in there too. It's pretty cool. What do they do with the monsters once they catch them? Uh, they kill them. They're monsters. Oh, they just eliminate them? They don't put them like, into a prison? or No, they're monster hunters. Like but monsters show up and start killing people. and the, They you, eliminate them. That's they get hired to do. And then the government hushes it all up and says, there are no monsters. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. Because The conspiracy. Know, well, you know, the, the people would panic. So Right. But you you know you basically get the the typical you know you get a nice basic stock set of Larry Correa sort of characters. He also did that Grimnor Chronicles that I was telling people about. Mm-hmm. I really like this guy's work. It's really good. Um, the first book of this series, the Monster Hunter International, a little bit slow to start for me. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it wasn't very good. It's just uh, it was his fir- his very first book, and you could you know it's like you could almost kind of tell it was his first book. By the time you get to the Grimnar Chronicles, he's he's got, he's gotten a lot more polished. Gotcha. Okay. But it's not a bad book. Um, I mean, in fact, I just finished the second book today, and I was on, I was, <laughs> I was on Audible. <laughs> I got my credit yet? I got my credit for uh, the next book yet? Refresh, refresh. Yeah, I'm looking for the credit for my next book because I'm really excited to to listen to this next book. Um, if you like your action with your sort of urban horror where these things mm-hmm. are real, it's cool. Uh, it, it gets really gross. The guy, I mean, he describes these monsters and all their nastiness, and uh, he's also a, a gun lover, so he describes all the weapons that he uses in great detail and exactly oh. what they do to the monsters that he's shooting them with. It's fair. Oh, that's, it's, that actually it sounds like it could appeal to uh, a lot of our listeners. Oh, it's, dude, it's, it's a, I'm telling you, I haven't heard this series mentioned on any of the other, in fact, the only other mentions I've heard of it outside of me reading it is in the past week or so, uh, Ross Wakeland from uh, the D6 generation, Russ Wakeland, mm-hmm. he's been tweeting at the author, the stuff he's liked from the, he's, he's reading the uh, Hard Magic, the first in that Grimnar Chronicles. And so uh, he's, uh, he was tweeting at him saying how much he liked the book. It's the only other person I, I've heard of who's heard of him or been reading him. So. Well, not anymore to get his name out there, and hopefully it'll gener- generate some traffic for him. Yeah. I mean, that last, the third book in that, uh, in that Grimnar Chronicles was nominated for a Hugo Award. Oh, okay. So, I mean, that's that's pretty big in the sci-fi, you know, writing. Is that, is that for like excellence in science fiction? Yeah, that kind science of fiction yeah. genre. Okay. Yeah. So, good stuff. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So that's what I've been listening to, and I would recommend it to anybody. It's so good. Uh, some 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 harsh language and some gross stuff. So not necessary for kids, but there's no graphic sex at least, so you don't have to worry about that with the kids here, and that's not just lots of lots of violence and lots oh. of weaponry. Yes, in, yes. In, in in grim detail. Okay. Yes. So, all right. So, Hobbyan, what have you been hobbying with? Hobbyan, I am back on the high elf bandwagon, uh, uh, and I've been uh, painting and experimenting fast and furious with different paint uh, techniques, and we'll talk about it more in more detail, I think, in the next episode. But it's a lot of um, Shading and working with uh, washes and tints. Those secret weapon miniature washes, by the way, yeah, excellent. I love those. Really? Mm, yeah, highly recommended. If you don't have any yet, definitely. And I'll, I'll bring Did some you get over those at UGG. I'm not trying to throw a shameless plug. I'm actually asking. No, um, 
I picked them up, you know, a bottle here, a bottle there at random shops. Okay. And I, I just got it because I thought maybe someday I'd use them. I finally popped them open, and wow, they're, yeah, really good. Yeah, their stuff is quality. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, working on some high elves and really toying with my orc and goblin list. I, you know, I'm going to change it up, not go gun line after we talk to Alex. Uh, are, you, what, we'll... are you just going to take the uh, bits uh, ringer list? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. I had no, to... no, no. Well, the bits ringer list actually has some life left in it because there's a, a one-day tournament coming up here after tomorrow, actually, the Saturday. Oh, yeah? Uh, where I, I think I'm going to take that list. Nice. Yeah, yeah you see, go see how you do with it because when when you're fighting the as the ringer list, it was stomping people. Yeah, yeah. Right. Chris Kuzminoff, when he, he, he manned that list for me uh, at Bits because we needed a ringer. You know, he did pretty well with it. So if there's just some pressure there. If I don't perform well with it, then it's going to be an obvious reflection on my skills as as a general. <laughs> <laughs> don't bring shame. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. So, um, you know what I like? Now, you were been tweeting some of the pictures of your guy you've been working on. And I know we're not going to talk technique right now and all that stuff. But what I was looking at and I thought was interesting was um, you got all those silver. What is it? The... What are the heads you're using? They're from the... Uh, oh, the Shadow Warrior heads? Shadow Warrior heads. And I always pictured those helmets as being metal. And yours were like painted red, and they almost looked like cloth. Um, I got that feeling when they were wrapped around like that. Because like, there was no shine to them. They were very dull. Right. And I don't know if it was just a picture or something like that, but when I looked at it, I was like, oh, wow. It's, when, were you trying to get away from them looking metal? Because they were red helmets, and they looked really cool. But they were very like, uniform red, and it was a little flat. It wasn't shiny. So I was like, is that supposed to be metal or is that supposed to? Because it looked really, like at first, I was like, huh. And I was like, oh, I'd really like it a lot. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't really give it that much thought, to be honest. The the, the metal ones in general, I, I think that's a little too clean a look for what I'm going for. Okay. So I think the, the red helmet, like the blood red helmet looks better how i get that to be like a metallic blood red i don't know it's something i've struggled with and i may experiment with that um but or i could just leave them as the matte red so we'll see it's it's still kind of a work in progress and in terms of what i'm trying to do so it'll probably it could change the test model is a very cool start i really i really liked what i saw thank you yeah i just have to get the uh now that i have the one done i'm in like kind of assembly mode Assembly line mode, trying to get uh, them all. Ah. So doing seven at a time, seven archers at a time, and we'll talk about it next episode. But it's very weird to paint these ten years later. You know, <laughs> learning what I've learned in the meantime. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be a whole topic for the next show. So we'll go on with that. So what else have you been doing besides the? Uh, that's about it. Really? Uh, list list building for orcs and goblins, and uh, working on some high elf archers. All right. What have I been doing? Uh, I got, what have you been doing? I got. I've been. I, I painted. I've painting some terrain. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I got one building at least table worthy, and one building about halfway to table worthy. Excellent. The GW Excellent. buildings. Um, I was, <laughs> I was sitting on a Skype night. Uh, Mark Cox and Hayne Bagley were on, and mm-hmm. um, Nickel was on, and someone else came on too. And I'm. Oh, this I'm is just like two nights ago, right? Yeah. And I was finishing up uh, uh, working on it, and I was. They're like, you're working on terrain? I'm like, well, you know, we do these, uh, you know, 
games where we do the live game for the show and then we include pictures of the board. <laughs> and Chris, you showed up with, he's like, I brought my terrain. I'm like, well, I got plenty of terrain. Yeah, but none of yours is painted, so I brought my <laughs> terrain. If we're putting pictures on our website, we're having better board than that. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I so, hope I didn't offend you. No, I wasn't offended, but there was a bit of shame involved. I was like, <laughs> oh, my stuff's so crappy that my friends got to bring theirs over. No, no, no. Stuff. It's not that it's crap. It's work in progress. You we know, all have pretty, stuff that's work it, in progress. It's, uh, yeah, but I, when your percentage of work in progress is that high, it's kind of crappy. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, hey, any progress is good progress. I look forward yeah, to seeing it. I got them built. Um, I got uh, some more. I got more stuff built. So much in boxes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I got a lot of iron breakers and uh um iron drakes because I really thought when I sold my I'm like, I'll need some because I'll play them sometime. Mm-hmm. And I keep coming to those last I've got like twenty iron drakes and no iron breakers built. And I got like three boxes left. I could you know? And I keep looking at them going, eh, just keep pushing them to the side, pushing them to the side. Uh, like as in you don't know how to build them? or No, I know. It's just I don't know why to build them. It, it's like I just don't really it's, – it's, it's not something that I really take. I haven't taken them in any of my lists. I'm not the – but I have 20 of the Iron Drakes, and if I'm going to take them, I suppose the biggest – I did that one unit of 25 one time. Uh, right, but that that becomes a, a center, uh, you know, that, sure. that's – I'm building a list around it. And I don't know if I feel like doing it now, so it's like, oh, do I want to build these? So I just keep building hammerers and uh, long beards because that's uh, what you're describing. I go through too, like, oh, I've got to build this unit; it's going to be awesome. And then I move on to something else, and that just sits there for weeks, months, or years in some cases. Yeah. So you may swing back around to it at some point. But uh, I did pull out the gyrocopter, and I built the parts that you're going to have to like paint before you build the rest. So the dwarf and the, the you know the where he's sitting, so the interior of that can all get painted up. Um, I did build the whole mechanical portion sticking out the back. Now the mechanical portion, I'm really excited because I got the list of paints. In fact, tomorrow mm-hmm. I'll be stopping at Unique Gifts and Games to pick up a couple of paints that I'm short because I'm trying the Sky Earth metals that from the Wapple video. Oh right. Yep. That are basically going between purples to light blues and and off whites and grays. Mm-hmm. So it's got that I I want my non grommel armor to look almost like a blue steel. Okay. So like reflecting the sky or Well you know the top will have that shine, yeah, and the bottom will be darker. So you'll have that, you know, sky earth sort of it's that you know the non-metallic metal where you cut you can see the sort of the, you know the lighting differences. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm really nervous about this, but I'm also kind of really excited. So I'm going to pick up the paint tomorrow. I'm going to try it on the engine, see how it works just on the engine. Okay. You know because that's all that you know it's all metal. So I'm like, well, if I do it on the gyrocopter, I can at least get practice on some some parts that are a little bigger than the different you know bits of mm. of dwarf armor. Well, you could try it on, um, like, an, a dwarf tusk model if you wanted, or any model, really, that has armor. Right, but those parts are so small, I want to get the technique down, whereas mm-hmm. the engine, the actual parts on the engine are a little bigger. You know oh, what I'm saying? Oh, so, like, the big gears and the big metal housing on the engine is much bigger than, say, the shoulder pads mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the, the gauntlets and stuff on the dwarf model itself. Okay. So I'm kind of, I'm basically trying it on a bigger on a bigger canvas first to see if I get it. 
Makes sense. Cool. Look forward so, to seeing how that turns out. I'm excited. I, you know, I, I feel like I said that I don't want it. That I want to do non-metal, and I'm feeling now. It's like I'm so nervous. I'm like, oh, can I do this for a whole army? Well, so, I, it's, I, I, you know, you've got to just experiment and see where it takes. See if you. I can make it work. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Do you, do you know what um, an osprey is? Uh, like, it's uh, a bird. Well, in terms of military vehicle. Oh. Um, no. It's, it's picture like a big, um, plane, like a cargo plane with the big right. propellers. It's got right. one on each end, but they tilt vertically. So it becomes almost like a helicopter. Okay. You, do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. I was thinking about this because someone posted on our forum, a pretty good, uh, dwarf bomber conversion. I forget his name, but, um, if you want, if you wanted to do a conversion, you could play with how those rotors are configured, and instead of just the, does the bomber have one rotor or two? They, uh, well, the bomber, I, I wasn't building any of those. I was just building the copters right now. Right, but, but I think the bomber has. Let me look. Let me look real quick. Bomber has two sets. Yeah, two. So one behind the other. Right. Right. So. If you want a conversion that I would do, not that I would ever play doors, but if I did, I might play with, uh, instead of having the rotors one behind the other, have them side by side in like that Osprey type setup. Oh, I see what you're saying. Just to play with, just so you have a slightly different configuration of the model. of. The only problem might be that they're different sized. Well, then you'd have to get a second one, order a second one of the same size. Yeah, you'd have to get them, yeah. You'd and have to just play with it and see. Someone did... An interesting conversion of, um, I think, a bomber, but sculpted as a like a Red Baron type biplane. Oh yeah, that had like a rotor. That was kind of cool. So, I don't know. We were talking about dwarf conversions and those sorts of things. Kind of struck me as possible, yeah, like potential things you could do. Yeah, that'd be cool. That actually would be pretty cool. Um, but right now, like I said, I'm just trying to get my stuff built and trying to get a little bit of paint down. Mm-hmm. I know once I get a little bit of paint down. I'll get the juices flowing and get moving. Right. Yep. But it's like I just it's I've, there's all this great plastic and I've got that nervousness because I've been talking about how I want to do this right. Mm-hmm. And it's like I've done so much work on it so far, and it's like oh no, this is where it's got to. You know these test models. It's like I keep thinking they gotta they've got to work. This is well, gotta it's, work. But it's the point of a test model. You could do one three. Seven test models before you're happy with it. That's true. You know, you, I, I just don't want you to hit the ground running like the first model you pick up and think that it's that's going to be it. it. It's it'll probably be a good investment for you time wise to do a series and try different things and just to see what is the best answer. Cool. I'm well. That's that's what I'm going to have to be doing then. But uh, so let's see what else did I have? Yeah, that's actually it. That's actually about where I'm at right now with the hobby okay. i painted a few buildings and uh i'm ready to tomorrow hoping tomorrow to try the uh the non-metallic metal painting mm-hmm. and see how that see how that works for me i gotta get cool. back my uh i gotta get uh my uh oh, what's it called um the shaded basing technique so that i can watch that again too oh yeah i have that dvd of yours so you got that one and that, and that from the french guy you got one yeah yep yep so that 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 the Wapple videos are great though, they really yeah. Are. Those are good watching. They're inspirational. Yeah, um, nothing he does would be easy. It would take lots of practice. Mm. But man, does do they? You know, he really gets that effect. I mean, you may not want to use everything. You may not like how X, Y, or Z looks, but 
man, when he shows you how he approaches his, the different colors and the different things like mm-hmm. that, it's like, wow, that really works. Just even the, the small things, like how he handles a brush. Yeah. It's, when he's, it's, he doesn't want to do any details, so he holds the brush way at the back. Yeah. So he can only be doing larger details because he doesn't have that fine control. So he can just keep blending and putting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a very kind of organic motion that he uses. Whereas usually like, oh, I'm afraid I don't want to make a mistake. So like the painting recently for me has been very like small, like controlled, like stabs. Like, oh, I don't want to make a mistake. It has to be very precise. But when I see him painting, it's just like all over the place. Well, he does come in with the more precise stuff later, but he's just not worried about every little mm. itch and edge right at the beginning. It's crazy. And he just keeps repeating how the, the whole point of this is just to get paint on the model. Get the paint on the model. Mm. These are the colors you want. Lights and darks. Put the lights and darks where they go. Let them mix. Let them blend a little bit. It's like, oh, really? Wow. He makes mm. it sound so easy. And it's totally well, that's why so he's easy. a professional. Yeah, I guess so. So, but that's about that. Um, that's enough plugging mm, right. <laughs> plug in the painting pyramid. Um, although I, I will say this, once he's got all that done and it gets available uh, through Cool Mini or Not for all the downloads and stuff, they're going to have the, excuse me, hold on a second. Ah. They're going to have those, uh, you know, the rest of the DVDs eventually will be for sale. Okay, and nice. I'm definitely going to pick up a couple more. I got 11 of them and I'm definitely going to pick Jeez. up a couple more. Okay. I watched a lot of them. I really liked them. I mean, I learned a lot. Yeah, so, it's easy watching. I mean, it's like I said, it's inspirational. Yeah. All right. So, what about you? Got any other? Um, just small things. We started watching Sherlock, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. How far did you get on that? Uh, just about the first season, which is like three episodes. The, okay. So yeah, it's just on the first three. How many? How many seasons are out? Three. Oh, there's three. Okay. Yeah, there's nine total episodes. They're all on Netflix. Good. good. Uh, when you get to season three on Netflix, it listed as six episodes because at the end of them, they had these like, uh, you know, sort of shorter things, just you mm-hmm. know, discussing stuff like almost like the like the extra stuff you get on a DVD. Sure. Right. And they've got those on there as well. Okay. But uh, no, they're fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're really good. This is after we tried watching True Blood, which was a bust. We tried watching Friday Night Lights, which is okay, I guess. It's all. I haven't tried that one at all. It's a small town, and I think in Texas, and how their life revolves around football, which is, yeah, I guess it's interesting in a way. (laughs) Okay. If you like your football, I guess it's entertaining. American football, that is. American football. Not Um, that soccer stuff. Not that soccer stuff, right? Um, That's about it for, for other. Yeah, I, uh,. I don't think I really have any. Oh, I did go see Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I can't believe they're popping those movies out like crazy. Dude, Planet of the Apes was awesome. Was it good? Planet of the Apes was, was, was pretty rad. I really enjoyed it. I took the kids. We had a really good time watching that. I really liked it. Um, what was the subtitled. one that had um, its subtitle? Well, the apes mostly speak in sign language. Uh, huh. So it's, it's, it was really cool. I really, I mean... Plot-wise, may not have been the best plot. I may not exactly see 100% where this is going. Um, they did obviously leave it open for, you know, another movie. Sure. But, you know, taking, taking the old IP and sort of rewriting it and reworking it and leaving some of the old stuff in there so that you'll still get to the point where Taylor gets back from space, mm-hmm. you know, and finds the Planet of the Apes. But watching this, them build this sort of storytelling, how it happened, was just... It's, it's really cool. Andy Circus gets top billing. 
Oh, I, I believe it. He's he's that guy's all over the place. Yeah, but I'm saying getting top billing over Gary Oldman and stuff like that too. I was like, oh wow, you know. I mean, Gary Oldman didn't have the biggest part in the movie, mm-hmm. but I was just saying, you know, for a guy you never actually see, you know, because he's all this. Yeah. He, he's he's Caesar. He's the ape. You know, he's the lead. Right, right. He's he's the CGI sort of. Man, it was just. I I love those movies. I really do. I love the old Planet of the Apes movies too, though. So, is this movie is it related or, or a sequel or set in the same universe as the James Franco? Yeah, it is. It's movie? a sequel. Yeah. Is is he in it again? No, he's dead. Oh, yeah. oh okay. It's <laughs> Spoiler years, alert for okay, anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> no, I mean, well, did you see the first one? The long time ago. I don't remember it. Remember James Franco and he's got the ape, and then they get yeah. that at the very end. They were trying out that different chemical, and it got on the guy, and he got sick and died. I I don't remember. Oh, but, it was at okay. the very end because the the, the 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 angry neighbor comes over and he sneezes and gets blood all over him. And then at the very end of the movie, the angry neighbor's getting sick the next day, mm. and he's a pilot and he's trying to get on his flight. And then right. all of a sudden, you see a map of the world and you see where his flight's going. And then you start hearing news reports of this outbreak. Oh, of this. okay. So basically, this you know there that's where it's that's the spread of the. That's where, spread, where, where humanity starts to get wiped out. And this is right. like 10 years later where like I think oh, it was something like 90 – it's like 85 or 90% of the planet died oh, from this virus. Okay. And so there's, there's the, what's left of the people and then there's the ape colonies building. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Like, oh, so it's really kind of the, the downfall of humanity then. Yeah. and the, it's, Well, yeah, rise of the planet of the apes and then dawn of the planet of the apes. It's where it's, this is all beginning gotcha. here. Ah, it all makes sense. Yeah, it's – I. I I thought it was really cool. I just said, I was like watching, I'm like, wow, this is this is kind of awesome. This is really cool. Mm. So, I loved that. That's what I wanted to say. Cool. I'm looking forward to the sequel. If and when it comes out. Oh, it'll come out. Yeah. Oh, there'll be another one. Oh, yeah, dude, that's making enough money. That'll come out. Oh, so, yeah. I guess that's it for the toolbox. I think that is it. All right. Well, um, so I guess it's time for our next break, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to have Jake Murphy on from Buckeye Battles. Ooh, Buckeye. Sounds good. All right. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Welcome back to the garage. We're here to talk a little uh, Buckeye Battles, and joining us is our good friend, Jake Murphy. Welcome back to the show, Jake. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So, Buckeye Battles, huh? How many people were there? 125. Ooh, nice-sized tournament. Yeah, it was a big one. 
the biggest other than Adepticon that I know of. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, good stuff. Now, had had you been there before? No, this was the first year I uh, rolled down with Grant Fetter. Oh, so you just walked in and had never been there before and, and took the whole thing. <laughs> that's what you're well, saying. Spoiler you're... alert. Come on, Dave. I know, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess so. Like, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, granted, we didn't know what to expect. Um, it, it is a Midwest tournament for the Masters qualifier. I knew it was a big tournament. It had a great reputation. Um, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk yeah, to you about it's... that after the segment. Cause... Unless... Yeah, we'll talk about that afterwards. But, uh, yeah, I guess I... I rolled in and took it. I, I mean, there's a lot of luck involved in winning a tournament that size, but uh, it was fun. It was a good time. I just took him, knocked him right off the humble chair right in the beginning. That's the way. <laughs> just go ahead and say it. Yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about how Buckeye is organized. I understand they use Swedish comp and banding. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's much different than our normal no comp Midwest tournaments kind of gentleman's agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, they introduced the Swedish comp. Swedish comp is um, it's a very interesting comp system that I've learned to like. Um, you design a list. I've learned and, to like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I might be a little biased, but I do like it now. Um, <laughs> you kind of you build a list. You plug in all your units and whatnot, and they'll tell you how you're going to get scored on it. And at the end, you'll get a comp score. Um, so how Buckeye Battles implemented this was they used bands. And what they did was uh, you couldn't take a negative point list. Um, and then 0 to 7.9 was band 1, 8 to 13 was band 2, and 13.1 plus was band 3. And how it worked was on day 1, Saturday, you play 3 games, um, and you're guaranteed to only play people in your band. So the idea is on Saturday you're only playing lists that aren't going to be too far above or below your list in competitiveness or difficulty or whatnot. Okay, so so you're sort of... Seeing who's winning in their bands at the end of the, you know, in the first day you stay in your band. You try to try to take the lead in your band, basically. Yep. And then uh, second day they just <laughs> open the floodgates. Yes, they open the floodgates. They put everyone together, and you hope you get lucky with matchups. That's pretty much okay. how it works. <laughs> so, did you aim for a particular band going in? What was the? Uh, is there any strategy there? Or tell us a little yeah. about your, your thinking. So I plugged in my normal tournament list. It's a 2,500-point tournament. Uh, plugged in my normal tournament list, and it came in as a 6.8, which didn't make me the most comfortable because I felt like I'd be at the ba- bottom of band, band one. Mm. Um, I didn't want to face a bunch of really tough lists on Saturday. Um, mm. And I just I didn't think I could deal with them. So and here comes the meta. Yeah, here comes the meta, right? <laughs> got to play the game. Alert. Of yeah. course you do. But it's the game within the game suddenly. Exactly. It's like when you go to the team things and your game, okay, how are we going to play the matchups? How are we going to play the matchups? Now it's how am I going to play my list? I'm real close to band two. So did you did you go down to band two? I did go down to band two. I came in with a 10.1. Um, the big concessions that I made was I dropped a bolt thrower, I uh, my normal tournament list, like if I'm coming to bring the heat, I'm bringing four bolt throwers. Uh, I went down to three. Um, I brought the cold one bus, which generally isn't the, it's it's competitive, but it's it's expensive in terms of points in the game. So it's not knocked too hard on the comp system. Um, so yeah, I ended up in band two. I felt comfortable there with a, a pretty solid list. Okay, and now I know typically your list runs Marathi. This is no special characters, is that right? I, 
Uh, it is no special characters. That okay. is one thing on it. Um, I love Marathi. She's she's a blast. Who doesn't? Use. She's fun. Um, <laughs> oh, my concern with her is if you're going to a five game tournament, mm-hmm. there's a good chance one or two games or whatever she's going to get popped off on turn one, depending on terrain, and you never know. I mean, it's sure. luck of the draw, but um, she's a big risk. She's a big liability. But so I've kind of phased her out of my tournament list. Um, but she's still she's a blast. Okay, interesting. So, if there's no Marathi, where what are you? Why don't you run down your list real quick, if you don't mind? Just, I mean, the the basics. Okay, so I got a level four metal. Um, I got a BSB on a cold one, Death Hag on a Cauldron of Blood with the Obsidian Blade, so no armor saves. Mm-hmm. Um, Witch Elf block three units of Dark Riders are my core. Um, in special, I am rocking twenty four Executioners. I got the ten cold ones to go with the BSB, and I have the three bolt throwers. And then I, uh, rare, all I have is 10 Sisters of Slaughter with the Flame Banner. Oh, good choice. How do you like them? Uh, I love them. I think they're so, I think they're so underrated. Um, I'm trying to sell people on them. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't know. Like, they pretty much have no armor save and they're 15 points a pop. But, man, if you use them correctly, they can really make or break a game for you. Well, th- your list, though, if people are shooting at the sisters that means all your other units are not being shot at so that's probably a good trade-off for you exactly i mean i'm i'm sitting on four combat units between the witches the cold ones right the executioners and the sisters especially with the comp that was employed um i mean they can shoot at one unit but then all of a sudden they have three more on top of them right exactly interesting so it's a good it's a well-rounded list there's some fighting uh, some fighty elements some magic some shooting it, it, it a lot of movement so it yeah, a good, well-rounded list. Yeah, I think uh, the Swedish comp, in my opinion, if you want to excel at it, that's what you do is you go for a, a strong, balanced list that can compete in all phases and uh, hope for the best. Excellent. That's, that sounds pretty cool. Can we go back to the to the banding thing? Sure. I just want to make sure I got – like, okay, so when they post, you know, like at the end of round one, they're going to post the scores on your tables and stuff. Do they have, like, three columns, like the 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 – the band one, band two, and band three. And, I mean, are they all sort of like listed like almost like their own little separate tourney when they were posting up the you know, the, the tables and the lists and stuff? Yeah, on Saturday, the, all the tables, it was posted like any other tournament you'd go to. So um, but, my understanding was they would match you up within your band on how you're doing, and then they'd give you a random table. Oh, okay. So it was you were all over the place, like walking all over the room between uh, rounds and stuff like that on Saturday. And then... Um, I guess when I'm doing well at a tournament, I get a little paranoid, so then I ask my opponent when I walk up, I'm like, oh, you won round one, huh? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, they got my score correct, because I'm on like, table 70 or whatever. And... Uh, <laughs> so the, okay. the banding kind of throws off your table placement, or at least your impression of where you think you should be. Yeah, and other tournaments do that, too. I know Adepticon yeah. likes to flip it around on you and stuff, so mm-hmm. it's just a little personal paranoia. Yeah, I was just, like I said, I was just picturing when they had the lists up there at the tables, like with the tables randomly, but if they were ranking, if they had like rankings for band one, band two, and band three, and three separate columns, like, you know, like, you know who yeah. was doing number one in, in band three. I didn't know no, if that, that stuff was posted. There's no segregation. You're all intermingled. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. But you walk by the tables and you see a list and you're like, oh, that's band one. Everyone's like whispering, oh, band one players. Uh <laughs> Like rally and walk by rally. And, oh, ban one. Ban one. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not going to say nothing because <laughs> I'm always jumping Brad's uh, Brad's business with his 
lists. But so, um, so give us a, a brief rundown. So the day one, you're playing all band two opponents. Yep. So if you can give a brief rundown on your games and how they went. Yeah. So first round, um, there's a few names that I wanted to look out for that were in band two. One of them was Justin Berge, the uh, U.S. Mm. Masters champion. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, I hope I don't run into him. Well, matchups go up for round one, and I am facing Justin Berge. <laughs> nice. You played well, in the big leagues. Yeah, you know what? If I'm going <laughs> to face him, get out of the way early on. Right. Um, he was racking a very balanced high elf list. He did have a, a Phoenix Guard Death Star, um, mm. is what I would consider it. He had a Prince in there and an Archmage and a BSB. Um, he also had a unit of 15 sisters with uh, a handmaiden of the Air Queen mm-hmm. with the Reaver Bow. Yep. So, um, like, with the Swedish comp, like, the lists were very interesting to see. It's not stuff that I would normally see in a no-comp environment, which was cool. I, I've heard that Justin plays his sisters not defensively where he sits back and shoots, but he he moves them up kind of in your grill and, and shoots while doing so. Did he do he- that to you? He did, because the handmaiden gives them quick to fire. I think that's yeah. how they got quick to fire. Yep. So they don't suffer the movement penalty. So he's like he's like walking them at me and chucking a bunch of shots at me, and he's hitting on threes at long range. Yeah. And he's hitting on twos with three shots. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was surprising. Um, the table we played on, it was a hidden deployment scenario. So there's a big screen in between us where we couldn't see, and we deploy mm-hmm. our entire army, then we lift the screen. Um, so he had a kind of a L-shaped river on his side. So I figured he was going to bunker behind it. He was calling it Fortress America or something like that. Um, so I don't know what that made me, but. <laughs> well, you're the Russians or the Cubans. Yes, I'm invading. I don't know. Right. But, uh, he dubbed it Fortress America. I'm like, okay, he's going to go there. Um, so I kind of set up which elves on one flank and cold ones to get across the long side of it. We lift the screen, and he's got it. I mean, that's what he has. He has got the Phoenix Guard bunker in the middle, and the sister's on the flank. And then he's got a big block of spears and some archers on the other side of the Phoenix Guard. Um, so I'm like, all right, got to press him. Um, I get first turn, and I push up hard. And then all of a sudden, he walks his sisters up. His sisters are across from my witches with the cauldron. And he walks them towards me and just chucking arrows. And he peels off an entire rank of witches on the first turn. <laughs> nice. Oh, this isn't going to go as planned. <laughs> that's oh, kind of right. what I need. He blocked them up with the Reavers. Um, so, I mean, he plays in a very aggressive game for having a shooty high elf list. His Phoenix Guard Bunker was coming at me the whole time. Mm. Um, it, it, I was kind of taken aback, but at the same time, it's Justin Berge. I mean, mm. he's going he's gonna to play to win. He's going to come at me and throw right. some punches. So, a so, um, couple of big... Big points in the game, my, my cold ones were able to get around the flank um, and kind of take on his archers and his spearmen, so it's all strength three stuff, so they don't care. They're just grinding. Um, I get a final transmutation off on his uh, Phoenix Guard bunker, roll a six for the prince. Uh, so the prince Ouch. goes down, which hurt him. Um, and then his sister is shooting at my cauldron. He had left the cauldron unblocked when he, he uh, redirected the witches. So the cauldron was able to charge out get into his sisters, and then the cauldron and the cold ones kind of met in the backfield, and that was that. And I just shot up his uh, Phoenix Guard bunker as they came at me. So he took out a few things. His magic was solid. He's running the Archmage with high magic. Um, so he, he zapped my executioners and my sisters. 
But in the end, I pull out a, a solid victory with a 15-7. They run a 20-0, but like the loser gets extra points. It's kind of weird how they took it down. But it was a 15-7, and I had four of the bonus points. Okay, excellent. So after game one, confidence is high. You're running into game two. So how did that shake down? I played Mike Carter. And if you don't know Mike Carter, he, and you've been to AdeptCon or wherever, he has the, the Drunken Dwarfs. Oh, yeah, okay. I do know Mike. <laughs> yes. Um, his, his dwarf army is heavily converted, really cool theme where they're all car- carrying big hammers with, like, big kegs on the end. Like, the guys are all drinking. Um, and his display board is actually a kegerator. Yes. And he homes. Awesome. Yes. It, it was awesome. Um, I get up to the table. I was like, "Want a beer?" <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, how can you say no? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I'm drinking his homebrew, um, and then he's he's got this bourbon barrel stout that he made, and it's it's tasty. Hmm. But um, the scenario was a, a a messenger type scenario where you have an extra model, and the object is to get your messenger off the opponent's edge of the table and um, stop their messenger from getting off your edge of the table. Okay. The deployment zone was a little funky on this. So it was kind of like Don Attack where it's sep- separated into three sections. Um, but the left and right flank, you could deploy up 18 inches. Okay. Oh, so, so it's like a almost like a castle. Yeah, it, it's just like, like a, a castle. Lit. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and he didn't have many drops. He's running a few war machines and a couple big block, a big block of hammers, big block of long beards, and... Uh, a bomber, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm dropping some chaff and dropping my war machines and whatnot, and he kind of bunkers in one corner. So then I drop my witch elf horde with the cauldron 18 inches up right mm-hmm. across from his bunker, which was, I guess, unfortunate for him. He did get first <laughs> turn. He shot yeah. him up a bunch, but my witches landed an 8-inch turn 1 charge. Bottom oh, jeez. And they pretty much overran into something else, until turn four, where they ran off the table. Oh, man. Yeah, so wow. he was kind of in the dumps there. Uh, it was... I, I didn't feel bad taking advantage of it, but... <laughs> I, went, I mean, once I hit that eight-inch charge, it was kind of a... Uh, well, this is going to be pretty rough for him. Um, so I ended up getting a big win there, but Mike's a great guy. We, we were both in the same line of work. We both do software, so we hung out and drank his homebrew afterwards and... Uh, Talk shop. You know, Talk shop, exactly. I'd love to play them again. Very cool. Okay. And what's your third game like? Uh, third game I played Ryan Caps. Okay. He's uh, he's another big name. He, uh, he's uh, from Indianapolis. He attended the USA Masters last year as well. Um, I think he finished like 15th or 16th there. He runs Empire. Um, he's known as the Doctor of Warhammer in his club. Um, the Doctor, huh? The doctor, that's right. So yeah, he uh, was on. Uh, he, he, they did a shout out on uh, on our show, Doctor Warhammer. That's the guy. Yeah. So he, um, we played once in the past at a club challenge, and I squeaked out a lucky win against him. Um, and in that, that was the old Dark Elf book. I used to run a Cold One bus with the Hydra banner, and I'd buff it with the uh, the cauldron, so I'd have three attack apiece Cold Ones. I flanked his steam tank and busted right through it in one turn. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, and he still talks to me about it to this day. Like, I can't believe you did that. That's ridiculous. Da, da, da. So, um, it's like uh, the Book of Grudges for the Empire. Yes, exactly. It was kind of fitting that we were top of band two on day one playing each other. Um, we were laughing about it. I was feeling pretty good after round two and all those home brews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, was so he this playing game, Empire again, did you say? Yeah, he's playing Empire. Oh, so he's got two big blocks of halberdiers, two units of demigriffs, a light council with an L3, L1, L1, and the uh, the Popemobile. Mm-hmm. He's got a Hurricaneum. Like, it's a pretty tough list. He came in at an 8.0, which is the very bottom of band two. Mm. Um, the one sacrifice he gave up, I guess, was he didn't have any war machines. I mean, the steam tank, I guess, kind of counts. But sure. he didn't have any, like, sitting war machines. So, um... The big thing in this game was I vanguarded up my Colt or my Dark Riders and I got first turn. Now there's this big river going through the middle of the table. He deploys all on one side of it. It's kind of angled across. So I have a small deployment zone on my side that's on the same all land area as him. Mm-hmm. So I put my Witches and my Colt ones there because those are the two units I want to get in combat. Right. So I get turn one and I put my Dark Riders right in his face where he can't chart. And I. Behind that, I push up my coal ones and my witches. He can't charge with a unit of demis. His steam tank can't come at me. Mm-hmm. And a, a horde of halberdiers. Like, I got these five dark riders just holding up half his army. Jeez. <laughs> just ready for the counter charge. So, um, so he charges with his halberdiers, which surprised me because it's a really big unit. It's 43 halberdiers with a BSB. Um, and they were off on one of the flanks of the dark riders. It surprised me because he was going to pull him across in front of his entire line. Mm. I was expecting the steam tanks I was going to hold, but when he said that, I'm like, eh, I'm going to flee. So I run right. across right in the middle of his, in front of his demis and his steam tank, and he completes the charge, pops the dark riders, reforms the halberds, mm. but now all of a sudden he's just all like blocked up on that his side. bottleneck there, yeah. Exactly. So he turns the steam tank to the side and runs it out, um, kind of out in the open there, which opened up its flank to... My cold one bus. Ah, oh. Is is this the same thing that happened before then? We've we've heard this story before. So, my cold one bus and my cauldron witches. He had a peg rider, which he blocked my witches, but again, he didn't get in front of the cauldron. My cauldron's got the obsidian blade, no armor saves. So, I declare a double flank charge into the steam tank with my cold one bus and the cauldron out of the witches. Mm -hmm. And I get in there, and I get the frenzy spell off on the cold ones. Oh, man. So... It was really close. Like, it came down to Cauldron did two wounds. Um, Cole once did 16 wounds at minus three at strength six. So he was on four ups, and I needed eight of those to get through. And he rolled, I think he rolled, he missed on nine. He was a little under average, but, um, so I popped the steam tank, mm-hmm. just like before. And then both my Cauldron and my Cole ones kind of got in his backfield. Um, got into the level three bunker and just started tearing them up. Um, he made a couple of desperation charges, but, uh, at that point I just kind of had him surrounded and out combat, out combated. He didn't have much mm-hmm. he could do. We might have to give you a, a new nickname, Jake, the stank destroyer. So <laughs> stank destroyer. I'll take it. <laughs> okay, so let's recap day one. Jake walks in from out of town. First time ever playing. And first thing he does, he decimates Justin Berge, the reigning U S masters champ. Then he moves along. And just takes the dwarfs off the table 
and then rolls up game three and kills Dr. Warhammer. Just flump, flump, flump. That's basically the first day for Jake, right? Is that kids, Is that an accurate description of your day, Jake? <laughs> Pushing models with one hand, drinking a beer with the other. <laughs> not worrying, not caring. I got this. I mean, in hindsight, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of dicey moments throughout all the games, and uh, I would. I just love putting words in the winner's mouth because you're trying to be so humble about this. Oh, I was lucky this, that, and the other. So I figure I'll just sit and brag for you. (laughs) Thanks, Get you in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Making me feel good. (laughs) It was kind of funny when when I had beaten Berg. Our game took a little while. Like, we barely got six turns in. And guys were coming by, like all the the normal Ohio guys, and like, oh, how'd you do? How'd you do? And he's like, I lost. And like, what? You yep. lost? Like, Bergy never loses. <laughs> I was like, come on, guys, give me some credit. <laughs> and that was the sign. Bergy never loses. Yeah. And the guy who walked in and took him down then just went went to yep. stomping. You know, we're ushering in a new era here. All right. So yes. let's let's uh, let's do a quick rundown of when they moved you up on the top tables against. Those band one guys and oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was your fourth round opponent a band one then? He was. <laughs> so, so when they post the pairings, they put the comp scores of the players. Um, and I go up. They put up round four, and I'm I'm nervous. I don't know what I'm going to face. It's a triple frostheart list that I know is kind of in the area. Um, Relians ro- rocking a pretty tough demons list. And I'm like, man, what am I going to have to face? They put up the pairings, and I see Ken Parsons. Zero. Oh, jeez. I don't know Ken. And I am thinking I am in trouble. So I show up to the table, and Ken's sitting there waiting, and he has more rats than I could ever imagine at 2,400 points. Actually, I have his list sitting right here. He has Gracier, Warlord, Chieftain, Engineer, Engineer, Plague Priest, 70 clan rats, 50 clan rats, Jeez. 50 clan rats, 80 slaves, 50 slaves, hell pit, warp lightning, warp lightning. And I'm like... That's a, that's I, a lot of bodies. I got this. I mean, I'm rocking sisters, I'm rocking witch elves, my yep. cult ones can grind against him. Um, so against any zero comp list I could possibly imagine, this is probably the best bet for me. It's a good matchup for you. You, you outfight him despite all the bodies that he has. Yep. And my, my witches are going to kill, like, five rats to one witch, maybe more. Mm-hmm. I just got to get them into combat. And the comp, so the comp system there, we understand the bands and whatnot. They also applied, I guess, little advantages if there's a big discrepancy between the scores. So at four points, if it's more than four points, the lower player gets to choose table sides. And at nine points, the lower player gets to choose who goes first. Mm. So we were a difference of 9.2. He was a 0.9. So I got I knew I was going first the entire time. Oh, nice. Yes, and that was a he, that played huge towards me because I I deployed everything up on the line. He deployed exactly how I th- thought he would, like a a bunker for all of his characters, help hit front and middle, a couple warp blinding cannons behind where I can't get to him, and then just big blocks all around where I can't go, get through it. He's not going to move. So I deploy everything up on the line. Turn one, I move forward with everything, like max forward. His turn one, he actually got off a uh, Doom Rocket and killed 
21 of my 24 executioners. It was a direct oh, hit. Oh, it was like, ouch. and that was where my wizard was. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> like it was, it was boom. He was like, oh, I need a 28. And he grabs like seven dice, rolls them, 28. I'm like, oh, gosh. You could not ask for a better hit. No, I think he hit every guy in the unit and failed on three wounds. I was like, oh, that one stinks. Oh. And at that point, I almost debated what my plan was going to be, but I didn't have another choice. I was charging. So oh, yeah. top of turn two, every unit in my army, including my Dark Riders, that could charge, my bull throwers didn't charge, charged. Everyone. Mm, yep. Um, the only one I didn't get in was the Witches, which uh, was unfortunate, but just tying them up. Oh, and then top of turn two, I was able to cast a final trans on his character bunker, mm-hmm. and I rolled a six for his warlord, his general. Oof. Oh, nice. So all of a sudden, those slaves that were on a 10 rerollable are now on a 5 rerollable. Yeah, big difference. Oh, huge. So I pop one of the slave units. Um, the clan rats are holding. The slaves are holding. But I'm just sitting there grinding, and he can't keep up with elves in the grind. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I... Just ended up grinding them out. It was over by like turn three. Yeah, wow. it, it, taking out that uh, that general so early is huge. Yeah. Oh, there's another one big thing I want to talk about because this is mm-hmm. pretty cool in that in that game. So I charged all those big units, and the hell pit was sitting there. The slaves that popped, my sisters were in, and when they popped, they had like six ranks left, so they just smoked the sisters. I was down to four sisters left. Mm-hmm. He charges his hell pit into my sister's slaughter, four of them with the flame banner. So I got four full command. Flame banner. He rolls mm-hmm. two impact hits, fails on one of them. I hit the four board. I swing first. I got nine attacks, hitting on twos with rerolls, wounding on fives, reroll ones. I end up doing seven wounds to the hell pit, flaming. Oh, man. No so way. I dropped the hell pit with four sisters of slaughter when he charged me. That's hilarious. That's, that's uh, talk about that's fantastic. shiny moment. I know. If it was anything else other than the hell pit, I'd probably feel a little bad, but you know what? That help. That help. It's a monstrosity. That's terrible. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, those sisters. If you're a dark elf player out there, give them a try. Wow. So then, what happens next? So next, I'm on table one. Um, the triple frost heart list was on table one before against chaos dwarfs and got beat. So I'm like, oh man, what am I going to be playing here? It's chaos dwarfs. This guy's Chaos Dwarfs. He has a level four Lore of Hashut. Mm-hmm. Um, he has three blocks of Chaos Dwarfs, two like core and one special. I don't know all their names. Um, he's got a Kadai, of course. Sure. He's got a unit of four of the Monstrous Cav. Okay. Um, and then he's got a Flame Cannon and two of the Death Rocket or Doom. Death Rocket, I think, is what they're called. Right. So okay. That's is right. The Death Shrieker. Death Shrieker. Okay. Yeah, it's like you can either pick a point or you can mm-hmm. shoot a template. Um, oh, okay. Okay. So I wasn't quite sure how I wanted to deal with the Kadai. I didn't have great answers in my list, um, and I figured, you know what, the witches with their poison is probably my best bet. Mm-hmm. Well, Chad knew this as well, so. With deployment, he got his Kadai far from my witches. Uh, okay. Um, so I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Chad went first. I mean, in all honesty, I got really lucky in this game. Um, top of turn one, Chad 
goes to cast a spell for Lord Hashud. It's like this direct damage, big template, strength five, and he miscasts and suck his, sucks his wizard down the warp. Oh. Yeah. So he did destroy, again, the poor executioners just got smoked. By. He, just, <laughs> he killed like 19 of the executioners, but I was willing to take that trade. Um, so he was out of magic from the top of turn one, first cast. Was his level four his general as well? It is his general. Yeah, for the Chaos Dwarfs, it's pretty much the only lore level character you can take without special characters. And it's basically a level four that is fighty mm-hmm. and kind of does it all. But he's 375 okay. points. So with the general, he's 475. And then yeah. on top of that, he has no more magic for the rest of the game. So, um, and he, yeah, that's, he, yeah. left his blo- he left his blocks back with the War Machines and pressed his heavy cab and mm-hmm. uh, die towards me. So my turn one, I gum up the heavy cab and the Kadai with some dark riders, and I set up all my combat units to counter charge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was a bit frustrated, so turn two, he just did it. He just ran through my dark riders, gave me all the charges I wanted to. So I ended up uh, okay. double flanking the Kadai. I had the Witch Elf Horde on one side, and the Cold Ones busted through his heavy cab and overran into the other flank of the Kadai. So, um, ouch yeah he was and on that turn my dark riders landed like an 11 inch charge into his war machines in the back so um he was he was hurting at that point um so i popped his heavy calf popped his kadai my dark riders were picking apart his war machines we played out like another turn or two and uh he just started point to nine he had his three blocks of chaos dwarfs and he's just mm-hmm. put them on the back line um after i was done cleaning up the kadai and the heavy cab i didn't i couldn't get to him it was too okay. late in the game. So he was like, you know what? Let's just call it there. And I said, fair enough. I think it was a 15-7 win with four objective points. Um, okay. So, yeah, I finished 5-0. and <laughs> Very nice. Okay. I know. It, it was bad. exciting. That's just... <laughs> walk them. Man, I mean, you know, i got to hand it to you, especially listening to that last one. You did everything right. You played your game. You set it up. You set up, you know... I'm not going to get a good charge. I'm going to set up for the counter charge here. Those things aren't going to be able to. It, you just had everything, boom, boom, boom. It just ran it through. Yeah, it could have fallen apart for you when uh, you didn't get the Kadai and um, Witch Elf matchup, but you stuck to your game plan, and uh, it obviously worked out for you. So nice work. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, the, that is one thing I felt that I did well during that entire tournament was each game I played, no matter what my opponent was doing, I was sticking to the game plan, you know? I have an idea, just go with it and hope it works out. It's like that uh, Warhammer moment of clarity, kind of where you, pe- you play your best game, and it sounds like you played five of your best games all the same tournament. So, Yeah. I just kind of blacked out there. and <laughs> you woke up in your overall. <laughs> what <Yes>. happens? <laughs> nice. So, will you... I'm, I'm assuming you'll go back again next year. Uh, I'd love to go back. Um, I definitely plan on going back. It's it's um it's a really big tournament as I mentioned. Uh, their community there is awesome. Everyone was super nice. Great opponents. Um, I did really enjoy the comp system that they employed that you don't see here at other Midwest tournaments. Um, it was just it was different but very cool. Uh, that said, would you, would you have any advice for someone who hasn't attended Buckeye that's maybe thinking about it? Um yeah. I mean, I would say, like, really bring 
a list that you want to compete with. So like how I felt going into the tournament with our comp system was I wasn't going to hold back. I'm not going to bring a list that I think is friendly or whatnot because the comp's going to employ that for me. So I'm going to bring something I think I can win the tournament with. Even though I went to band two and I was pressing my luck for day two matchups because I could have faced something that would have picked me apart very easily. I just got lucky there. Um, that that was my strategy. And everyone's in the same boat there. Nobody's upset about the list you're going to bring or whatnot. Because um, everyone knows if you're bringing a tough list, you're going to take, take the hit for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is the hobby there wasn't quite as advanced as what you'll see at a Bits or a Wapak or a North Star. Um, so I wouldn't like definitely press your paint, but if you're on the edge or you don't think you can get paint done or whatnot, um, just sign up anyway, go have fun. Interesting. What's well, kind of like a, uh, could be like a gateway tournament, so to speak. If your army's not quite done, you can still take it to Buckeye, compete, and then continue on with painting for the next tournament. It's kind of a... For sure. There was, there was unpainted armies there and stuff. There's not many. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a few, and nobody frowns upon it and whatnot. Um, everyone's just—I mean, everyone's there to have a good time. We're just hanging out for two days playing with toy soldiers. You can't complain. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like a fun time, and it's—it like with, with the banding and the Swedish comp. If you're going to play it that way, it's like, well, yeah, you could take filth if you want to, and nobody seems to mind with that whole first day. You've got those three breakdowns, so you're kind of staying in your. Staying in your region at least for the first day, so you don't feel like you you didn't come with something really soft and and wind up starting off just you know luck of the draw getting paired up against three really tough lists or tough matchups. Exactly. Yep. I, I enjoyed that. As a follow up to that, at the end of day one, did you was there a sense that uh, all the band one players were lumped together, band two lumped together, and band three? Do you mean lumped together in terms of scores? Yeah. No, I mean, because there's 75 points possible at the end of day one, so the top band one player is going to have 70 to 75, top band player two player is going to have 70, 75, et cetera. So, oh, uh, I see. Okay. So then you just get mixed in, and then it's complete luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, table one, day two was band one versus band two. Table two, which I was on, was band one versus band two. Um, table three, I think, had a band three player on it against a oh, band okay. two. So um, you just you never know. On day two, it's a crapshoot. Interesting. One other thing that Buckeye did really well is uh, they used the WarScore software. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's uh, Bill. Uh, uh, Bill Robertson. It's, yeah, Bill's. Uh, yeah, I was talking with him about that. He's uh, Billy on the Garage Hammer forums. He was running. Oh, the, okay. He was running the Fat Hammer forum for a while. Hmm. No, he's 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 a great guy. How yeah, did that? He's, Awesome guy, and he's um, he's still working on it. So he was unveiling some new things at this year's Buckeye, which was when table pairings go up, they were posted immediately to online, mm-hmm. um, just like at Bits. So you could go on it, but it would also email you your matchup if you were registered for WarScore. Interesting. So I went in, I registered for WarScore the week leading up to the tournament and whatnot. So then when I was there... As soon as matches were up, I'd get an email on my cell phone. I'd go in and check it, and then I knew exactly where I was going, who I was playing. Um, it was very, very nice. And then also when the tournaments ended, scores were immediately available online. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think you know, tournament goers appreciate that transparency and that, that, that quick dissemination of that information. I know Bits certainly 
people certainly enjoy that. So I can see, I can only imagine being at the other end of that as a participant at Buckeye Battles or wherever. Um, getting that information so quickly just makes the entire experience that much better. Well, the cool thing, I think, and I think I have it correct, but the cool thing with Bill's software is if you're if you're using WarScore. You can keep it running, like do use all the stuff, and doesn't that just run like right online? Yeah, so I can go online right now to warscore.com, uh, warscore.net, excuse me. And you can run your tournament through it though, like uh, directly online. That, that's how everything's matched up in the pairings, and everything's there instantly when the yep. tournament's over. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So, um, it, I mean, all the information's there. So as it runs, it, it just builds on the website, and when it's done, you can go back and look at it. Uh, you can look at every, who everyone played, how they did against them. Um, it's really neat. Very cool. Excellent. In theory, you could have all sorts of rankings and everything in this if everyone's using WarScore. Like if you're running, you know, your your region. Uh, so you're getting into a whole other discussion <laughs> no. there, David. But, but no, I, what I'm I, saying I, is theoretically if, you could. Yeah, if a whole, but if a whole group of tournaments are all registering, they're all using WarScore, and they've got all those in there, because I don't know if that was bill's ultimate plan but i know because you can go in and you know just like any sort of a spreadsheet you can sort the tournaments through different ways and stuff like that and just you know you can see your your scores sure one master set of data yeah yep. I mean that's what's really cool about it is he's just offering this it's not so much that he's doing that it's so much, it's say i've got this it's online it's right here uh you can run your scoring through it and uh, he's a friend of mine so disclaimer i just i want him to do real well with it i you know it's almost like you're endorsing a new Warhammer World Order. That yes, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just that's saying. Great. <laughs> hey, now I know how you feel, Jake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> gonna go and start trouble for me now. I got it. I got it. Okay, <laughs> I think it's uh, with that. Uh, listen, Jake, I w- wanted to ask you a couple questions. We're gonna. Sure. Chris came up with this. Sort of just ask people is this would you rather thing. Yeah, this yeah. is our, our new segment. It's kind of a little game, would you rather. So okay. we'll pose these questions to you, and you've got to pick one or the other. So I don't okay. know, David, if you want to read the first one. Sure. Uh, would you rather play in a heavily comp tournament or in a no-paint-required tournament? Heavily comped, for sure. 100%. Oh, no hesitation. I like it. No, that's, okay. that's a, a lock. I think uh, going to tournaments, I like seeing the painted armies. I think... Uh, being on a table at a tournament, you should put in your hours and um, put in the effort to bring a cool army to because uh, other people are going to do it, pay respect to them, and you'll be happy with yourself in the end. I yeah. I don't necessarily mind comp a ton, depending on how it's implemented. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's it's a great-looking game, so have it look its best. Uh, okay, the second one is, uh, would you rather lose a fun game or win a serious game? Lose a fun game, for sure. One hundred percent. I don't. I go to tournaments to compete. I like competing. I, I always have a goal. Generally, my goal is top twenty percent at a tournament. Okay. Um, if I hit that, I'm happy. I don't go to tournaments to win. Um, if if it happens, it's amazing. It's fun, and I know I got bits of luck here and there. Um, so from here on out, it's first place or nothing, right? <laughs> right. Well, we'll probably never talk again, guys. But it was. <laughs> Nowadays I go to tournaments, you know. I, I like I like to try to at least get in the top two, maybe three. <laughs> there you go. Um, you can't beat a close game of Warhammer. I mean, if it's a nail biter down to the final dice rolls and stuff, those are the games I remember. Yeah, totally. Yep. Okay, and last question. 
<laughs> Chris. Hey, it's it's part of the game. Okay. Would you rather? Uh, would you rather get stuffed in the pants of a giant or be rotted from the inside out by Nurgle? Ah, uh, I would go with uh, stuffed <laughs> in the pants of a giant. All right, um, there's no wrong answer. It's, there's it's, no would you right rather. answer either. <laughs> All right, stuffed in the pants of a giant. <laughs> Maybe I could escape. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you might have a fighting chance. So, you know, That's right. If you have a war save or something. I, you know. I don't know if I'd be able to live with myself, but, you know. <laughs> You'll be scarred for life, definitely. I would. <laughs> Therapy would be needed. Uh, yes, yes. Okay, well, that's 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 the first game ever of Would You Rather here on Garage Hammer. So I hope you, Jake, enjoyed it, and hope the listeners got something out of it as well. It was a great time. <laughs> and I hope I never get to that third question again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Jake. Thank you, guys. We'll talk Thanks to you later. Again, Congratulations. And, yep. We'll talk soon. Thanks. And we will be right back. Folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish-level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com. Dot com and seriously guys you'll be glad you did we are back and it is time to Crack open this beautiful, gorgeous tome known as Monstrous Arcanum. We are hitting two more of the cool monsters in here today. And by we, I mean my co-host, Chris Yu, and our guest, Alex Gonzalez. Alex, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. The man that needs no introduction. Okay, I'll go out and cut it out then. (laughs) Actually, I won't. Because if I say I will, I would actually do it, but I'm saying yeah, yeah, I don't do that. His, well, his reputation precedes him. Welcome, Alex, to the show. Glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. So, Alex, um, we did Monsters Arcanum last time and got uh, got got a bit of of grief. And yeah, we got the stink eye. <laughs> yeah. For what? For uh, <laughs> discussing Monsters Arcanum without inviting you on and mentioning, yeah, and mentioning that it's the loudest crew city. So. Oops. <laughs> I mean, I know I poked you guys once, but I didn't think you guys would Oh, but what a poking it was. It was... Well, that's between the two of you, but... <laughs> oh, hey now. We're talking figuratively here, aren't we? Later. You don't have so, to talk uh, about my figure. 
So yeah, so it's a, after that bumpy segue, uh, we can talk about uh, <laughs> Screw City for a little bit. Okay. Um. Well, so Screw City. Um. This will be the third year I'm doing it. Um. It'll be out in Rockford. It's a, another three thousand point tournament, and that's October tenth, eleventh, twelfth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's three games on the Saturday, two on the Sunday. Um, it's three thousand points again, but there's a couple of changes. Um, every army has to take at least one thing with the unit type of monster, and then you can take monsters from Scrolls of Binding or the Monstrous Arcanum as rare choices if they're not already available to your army. So, nice. It's just we have all these cool monster models, and we never use them. We never play with them because of how the meta is with mm-hmm. taking multiple cannons and gun lines. And all that stuff. So we never get to use them. And listening to you guys as much as I do, just, we need to play the fun stuff. So that's why... Agreed. Yeah. I agree also. But I, I do have to pose this question. With all the monsters that are going to be there, cannons are an obvious sort of choice to counter Dwarves that meta. max cannons and yeah, some Empire, monsters. Yeah, all that stuff. But you don't have any comp in place to pull those con- those cannons back. I wonder... No. I mean, I'm not going to tell people what to play more than I already am, but I think the visual of saying, okay, let's line up, let's say, a Cursed Etten against a Necrofex Colossus and just go Godzilla on it, mm-hmm. that's just much more interesting to me than, oh, six-wound cannon, thank you. So I'm I agree. that the players that are coming have the same kind of mentality I do where it's just about the monster mash and just going at it and just seeing who's got the better, bigger monster. Okay. I, I would, if I were to bet though, I would put money on a scenario or a few that might hamper those cannons in some way. If I were to bet. I mean, it's not like I think about all these things going into a tournament like this, but, um, I would strongly advise against depending on cannons and Kedai Destroyers to win the day. So, Interesting. All right. Or the Wisdom there. So, yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the tournament, um, it's a $50 registration. Mm-hmm. All the information is available at iwfba.net backslash ScrewCityGT. We've yep. got about 20 spots left. We actually upped it to 80 spots this year. Um, we're going to be nice. out of the basement that we've been in the last two years, and we're going to be up in the ballroom this year at the Clock Tower Resort in Rockford. Nice. Um, so we do have a room rate in place. There is a massive pool and water park on site for the families that want to come out. Because, I mean, I know it's a bit of a stretch for a lot of players to get out and do tournaments without – family commitment but this is one of those bring the family they can do an entire indoor water park all day it's included in the fee and then there's a ton of stuff to do out here in rockford for the kids and for families so so if if you've paid to register for the tournament that includes your registration for the water park as well no that's an upgrade to the room oh i gotcha okay okay but this is one of those things where it's like it can be all rolled into one. You can do so many different things mm-hmm. at once and keep everything happy. And then the Saturday night of the tournament, we've got space reserved for us at the Tilted Kilt on site. 
So this way we can all just nice. walk up to the restaurant and just spend the evening together as a group. And then the Friday night before, after setup, we're looking to do another trip to the machine shed. Oh, cool. I like that place. Good eating there. Yeah. But I assume in the evenings there will be time for casual games in, in the um, main room as well? Not so much with uh, just how the hotel has it structured. We can't really have rooms open too late. Mm-hmm. So there will be some open gaming, I think, the Friday night. Um, not sure about the Saturday because I have to have the room shut at a certain time. Okay. So, but Fair enough. I, this is more going to be go – if you're going to play games, you know, do it at the hotel rooms or wherever. But really, let's spend time together. Let's have fun. Um, we just can't do it in the main room all day. But there will be a bar in the main room again um, okay. as there have been in the previous years. And the bar will start pretty early again. So – Nice. Yeah, it's. I've always had a lot of fun at this tournament, David. I, I know you haven't been, and you're thinking about going, but this is a, a fun one to attend. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm working is, on it. This is not the uber competitive tournaments that I run otherwise with the Adepticon events. This is my baby event. This is my let's get together, let's have fun event. So nice. Yeah, it does look that way, and the monsters is a good twist on it. Especially this year with the the Godzilla movie, so it's very themey. Oh, dude, we're doing Godzilla, King Kong, Pacific Rim. Just, I like it. I got it. I got it covered. Nice. I like it. Excellent. Cool. All right, so let's let's get into the book here. Um, now, Alex, you you wanted to talk about the cursed Etten. Yeah, I've seen a lot of these guys pop up on the Garage Hammer Facebook group and on the forum mm-hmm. from a lot of the forum members painting them. And it's just like, you know what? Let's talk about it because it's cool and it's actually very strategic for a lot of players more than a lot of people would think. Interesting. Okay, well, what? we'll start with the fluff. Of course we will. And then we'll transition into the playability and its, its stats. When you picked this one, I, I was kind of a, a little, I didn't know what to think. Because at first glance, just the picture of this creature is just so tragic and pitiful. And as you read the fluff, it's even more so. Mm-hmm. I love this picture. I wish the Cursed Etten looked more like this picture in the book. Because it's sort of tall and thin. Um, I mean, I've seen it a bunch of places but this thing, it, it just it just looks, I mean, but it's holding like a, a, a dead horse or a decapitated horse, like in its one fist. You know, it's like this thing mm-hmm. is monstrous huge, but it looks so sad and pathetic. Mm-hmm. So where did it come from, Alex? Um, well, the curse Etten's origins. Um, let's see. Well, it originally started with a warlord king who bargained with demons for might and power in exchange for aid. Mm-hmm. And at one point, they refused to help the demons. And, Always a good idea. Oh, yeah. It just seems to be a very common theme. Um, so then they were cursed by the Chaos Gods, and they turned them into these things, and they've just kind of depraved and kind of mm-hmm. devolved down to these things. Mm-hmm. But they're so awful to look upon and they've been denied the the blessed mindlessness oblivion of spawndom so they know they're suffering 
Jeez. Yeah, they're they're the the book describes them as the bitterest of all the monsters under the shadow of the dark gods. The bitterest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were the, the, theirs is a curse born of foolish pride, treachery, and bargain with the dark and fickle powers. Oh boy. Yeah, once again, painting the bleak picture that the Warhammer world is. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about the model real quick. I, I know you mentioned some forum members have been painting it, and yeah. it does look different from the illustration. What were your thoughts on the model itself? Um, the model was okay. I mean, I was the bigger thing about the model is the little doodaddy head, not the big grunty head. Mm-hmm. Um. I do wish it was a lot more like this picture, that kind of hulking, depraved, nasty-looking thing mm-hmm. compared to the one that they put out. But the one that they put out, you know, still does the job. I just, like Dave said, I wish it looked like this. Because this picture is just gorgeous and disgusting at the same That's... time. It's like the portrait of Dorian Gray. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, these people fuse together... And just, my, oh, it's just so. That's tragic. Yep. Yeah, grotesque. It's even got a bit of a poem about him in here. I love the fluff in this book, too. Man, I just can't say enough of how much I really like this book. Like, I mean, it starts off with the with the story. If you haven't seen, oh, and by the way, I don't know if it's going on right now, but I know it was going on, mm-hmm. that uh, the Tamarcon and the Monsters Arcanum were like on a special if you bought the pair. At, really? uh, they were I think at, one was free if you bought Yeah, it's like buy right. one yeah, buy one, get the other. Like two the both of them for the price of one. Of course. And so you get it but it's it's at that similar thing where you get a story set up in the beginning and at the end you get the marks from the guy who was telling the story. Mm-hmm. And so each of these each of these bits of fluff is more like an entry they've got like little you know, extra bits like entries that mm-hmm. this guy is adding his own information to, and there's like you know a bit of a song on this one. This is just it's just it's just so well put together. I just flip and love this book. Really Can do. you, uh, in your best dramatic uh, voice, give us a sample of the uh, the poetry that they give for this cursed Dutton? Um, okay. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. So. Least son of Farnir, King King Jorunder. Forswore his allegiance to kin and clan, pledging his line in fulsome service to Chaos's dark lords. To Drondor the gods gifted such glory of war, such bloody victory, that all his kin obeyed him gladly, till great grew his host of battle-wrought warriors. Jorunder was undone, lust for power his bane, truth sundered, his masters brought forth a curse on all his blood. Brothers, sons, all suffered his fate, two-faced now in form and thought, swollen and twisted, faithless hearts made plain. From the saga of Jorunder the Betrayer. Good stuff. It's, it's just, it's just kind of cool. Like they did, you know, I, you know, that's, I guess it's the teacher in me. But adding in the, uh, you know, the, the sounding like the, you know, the medieval poem. Mm-hmm. You know, that the bards are passing down in their oral history traditions of this. This is where we got this information from. This is like our, our records are old tales. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, God, I, I can't say enough about this book. It's such a shame they're not doing a lot more with it. 
I was oh. really hesitant when I bought it because I didn't realize what all was in here. Mm-hmm. So when I first opened it, it's like, oh, scrolls of binding. And then you start to like read it and look it over. It's like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. This yeah, is- it really paints a really good, clear picture of what the world is like. It's 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 Forge World quality. It's it's up there with all the other stuff Forge World puts out. It's all tip top. Um, you know everything looks great. It's fantastic. But why don't we get on to the uh, the stats? This guy's got a bunch of options and special rules. Mm-hmm. So let's see. This guy yeah, yes. go ahead. This cat comes in at three hundred and fifteen points. He's a monster. Uh, weapon skill four, ballistic skill three, strength, toughness, wounds. And attacks are all six. Leadership seven, initiative two. And movement six, so he's quite yeah. quick. Yeah, movement six, yeah. The only thing that's not a six percent is like initiative is like his weapon skill. Because mm-hmm. I don't think but he should. Even this, a four is, is respectable. Yeah. So a regular giant is just three. Mm-hmm. So this guy is better. He's slower than a giant because giants clock in at three. But he has real attacks instead of the random chart mm-hmm. that giants do. So he's different in a lot of ways from a regular giant. Oh yeah, well a whole clan of warriors. So he's actually he's not some big dopey these were men it said so. Yeah. Um so oh go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um as far as the special rules, um this is where it starts to get a little crazy with him. Mm-hmm. Um he causes terror, being a monster. He's got the two headed special rule, which we'll go over in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, hammer hand, which will come in a minute. Bitter cruelty. Um, this is all unique stuff to him. Obstacle strider, stubborn, swift stride, and a five plus regen save. So okay, wait. So obstacle strider means he can, he can move over buildings without any penalty. Buildings uh, and fences. Um, fences. Okay, right. So he can jump over that no problem. Giants normally would have to take a test to see if they fall over, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He just skips right over it, merry as can be. Um, <laughs> and then he's got stubborn and swift stride, so he's six plus three d six highest two on the charge. So yeah, he's fast, fast. <laughs> including the next thing we're going to talk about. Um, okay, so he starts off with a pair of heads. Yep, and they each have their own personality, kind of like in Monty Python. Yeah, in the this Holy Grail. Is like it's more. Fluffy than like the Galrock rules, which is the only other thing with two heads, where it's just the leadership check to see which head is in control. This is like legit; it's two different people attached to him. So. Yeah, and you actually pick which of these two personalities is in charge, yep. and then at the end of any turn that this thing has taken a wound, it has to take a leadership test, and if it pass passes, that personality stays, and if it fails, the other one takes over. So at leadership seven, this thing is really fifty-fifty that it could switch at any time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now the tactical part of this guy comes in with the betrayer head, which mm-hmm. is the little gibbery thing. Um, he gains the scout deployment rule, hatred, and then bitter cruelty, which is the other thing. But a scouting giant. Yeah, that actually is huge. <laughs> yeah, and then bitter cruelty. Which is the special rule that he gets with this? Basically, says if he charges the side or the rear, the combat bonus for the side or the rear charge is doubled. So he gets a plus two combat res if he charges the flank, and plus four if he charges the rear. 
That's that's pretty good. That's nice. But I think that that scout one is just so big to be twelve inches away from wherever you choose to put them. I mean, you're you're pressuring your opponent right away. Yeah, and if you follow the kinship chart out of the back, he's kinship with warriors and beastmen, mm-hmm. and warriors don't have a dependable scout. Don't have no scouts. Period. And mm-hmm. then beastmen have very expensive scouting harpies. Mm-hmm. So to have like a dependable scout that you can get up there, much less have it be this thing, is a little mm-hmm. That's pretty good. At six wounds with the regen, I mean, you'd have to have a good cannon shot or a good shooting face to knock it out in one turn. Yeah, otherwise he's on you because at mm. six with swift stride, he's going to get there. Yeah, true. Um, but the other head is the savage, which means he gets plus one strength, so he goes to strength seven. Mm-hmm. He gets minus two weapon skill, so he goes to four uh, weapon down skill to two. Minus one leadership, so he goes down to six, and then he gets frenzy, as if that wasn't enough. So mm-hmm. that's the guy you almost never pick to start. When you get into combat, then it's a completely different story. But to start, you definitely want to go with the betrayer to get mm-hmm. the scout. The only problem is that weapon skill two is going to be so hard for him to hit anything because oh. anyone with weapon skill five, you know, it's just. I don't know. It just I, yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, you still get a thunder stomp on top of it, so yeah. It's also the volume of attack, so he makes up for it. Yeah. Um, and but then, they all get the hammer hand, which is cool. Well, yeah, tell us about the hammer hand. Yeah. Um. So the degenerate and debased cursed Etten are often plagued by deformities, and the most common is the hammer hand. It's a single additional attack. Made at strength eight with the heroic killing blow special rule, so it's kind of like the necro sphinx, where they have to nominate one of their attacks to be strength ten heroic killing blow, but this is another attack, an additional one, on strength top. eight heroic killing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which certainly beats the heck out of trading all of your attacks for one attack with heroic killing blow. Yeah. Oh, like, no, you just always get one. It's just here's here's another attack. You know you're getting six, but here's seven. Yeah, and then if you get the frenzy off, you're not up to eight attacks. If you kept the hammer hand. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Eight, eight attacks plus the thunder stomp. It's not yeah. bad. And it gets better. Because you, you got four options, of which you can only pick one. Yeah. But on top of all that, you can have this. I like the first one. The gibberer. <laughs> one of the heads has developed into infantile imbecility, drooling and wailing constantly. All enemy units within eight inches... Suffer a one minus one modifier to their leadership unless immune to psych. So you've got this it's, weird. It's not bad. It's it's so disturbing. Yeah, there's this weird giant coming at me. He's got two heads, and one of them's a baby head that's crying and screaming. I can just imagine like Empire Halberdiers. Like, what is that? What do we do? What do we do? Let's get out of here. It's just disturbing. It's awesome. That's, that's fifteen <laughs> points. Uh, I think it's a good flavor. Thing and in the age of BSBs and everything, it might not be as, uh, but as effective an, as you might want it to be. As an add-on, if you're playing already something with a bit of a leadership bomb, mm-hmm. you know, or but, a death, yeah, yeah, true. Then you throw him in, and he's within eight inches, and he's just adding to it. You know, the vampires with the minus one to the leadership, and. Uh, you know, no re-rolling fear tests, getting an extra minus one modifier. This might be one that you can add in if you're playing leadership bomb stuff. 
if you're uh, yeah throwing this thing out at the flank and terror bombing stuff for 15 points you know what i'm saying oh, not bad mm-hmm. um what else scale horror is the next one for 20 points uh this is basically four up scaly skin save and whenever suffers an unsaved wound the unit which inflicted it suffers d6 strength 2 poison attacks these attacks are resolved at weapon skill 2 and do not affect combat res. Eh, the the Forbes Skilly Skin is nice. I think that's good. Um, well, he's got a 5-up regen. Getting a 4-up armor save is not bad for 20 points. No, not at all. For and, 20 points, I take it. You know, the the wounds is... I, I like the fluff of it is that his his... His skin is all scaly and nasty, but if you cut it, underneath it, it's all rancid and poisonous and nasty underneath. So when you cut him open, the stuff that's splattering on you, you got to take a test for that. You're going to get maybe one wound. It's not something you're getting for the wounds. You're basically buying a 20-point four-up armor save. But uh, it you know, might it's be free, nice. It's free damage. Exactly. You're really paying for the scaly skin, but the potential for additional damage is, is icing nice. on the cake. Exactly. Icing on the Eden. <laughs> I sing on the end. <laughs> Ew. So, Alex, tell us about the, the man Scyther. Tell us about the man Scyther, Alex. Mm. <laughs> it's one of those shows. Okay. <laughs> so, when is it not? I, I know. Less common than the hammer hand, a man Scyther has one or both arms covered in wicked bone spikes or long calcified talons. Uh, the Etten loses the hammer hand special rule but gains D6 plus one impact hits and an additional attack. I really like this. Yeah. Because the additional, I mean, Hammerhand gave an additional attack with heroic killing blow. Here you're still getting that attack. You just lose a heroic killing blow in exchange for basically a scythe wheels impact hit. At strength six or seven, depending if, if you're the savage. Oh. <laughs> For 15 points, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, this is the money purchase, I would think, from a tactical end of things. Just because it's like essentially a very big ogre attacking in three different phases of the combat. So Mm -hmm. you get a ton of output from this guy. But you can only take one of these upgrades. So... Yeah, that's that's the kicker. And here's the last one. and This one's the money one, because the the Mansythe and the leadership one are 15 points apiece. The four-up armor save becomes scaling becomes twenty points. This last one, rune caller, is thirty-five points. They retain enough intelligence to recall the secrets of their old tribal magic and are branded with a series of magical runes. The cursed Etten loses the hammer hand rule, but becomes a level one wizard using either shadows, death, or beasts. Should it miscast, their personality will shift. With no leadership test required. So, I like it. The best part about that is the personality shift. Yeah. Coming in with the miscast? Mm-hmm. Now, does this mean they don't have to roll on the miscast table because they just have a personality shift? No, I'm That's... pretty sure you still miscast. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just... think it's in addition, too. I'm just reaching, figuring, you know. You power gamer. Start some controversy. Right. So basically 35 points is a wizard level, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So you buy that, but you lose the hammer hand. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't, know, if, uh, I don't know if I would do it either. It's, if you want him to get into combat, and mix it up. I would spend the points to help facilitate that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, shadow, death, and I mean, one thing I think of is beast with the 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 signature spell. You got an extra level one mm-hmm. 
They can try and cast that. Plus one strength, plus one toughness. Yeah, strength seven, toughness seven, cursed Atten. It'd be pretty rock solid. Or if you got the shadow signature to drop their weapon skill down by D3. Oh, there you go. And that way when you become the savage, it's not so bad. Yeah. True. Or if you scout this guy and uh, you get a purple sun, you can scout up and purple sun someone. Jeez. Oh, I did. I'm reaching, but I guess it, it, it's possible. It's totally possible. Yeah, but with your level one, <laughs> right? You know, six die monkey. I'm not, yeah, I'm not tossing that too often with a level one, but that's just me. So I wonder. I mean, Alex, we're still a little ways out from Screw City, but I don't imagine you'd have a lot of lists in. But uh, do you think we'll see any of these bad boys? I would really like to see a couple of these guys show up. Um, I'm not sure if a lot of them will. I think we're going to see a bunch of what we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Uh, Mm -hmm. A bunch, huh? I'm really expecting that thing to come out to play because it's just too cool not to. Okay. Um, But I would like to see a bunch of the Ettons come out um, just because it's so different, it's so unique, and it has a lot of flavor in the actual Mm -hmm. rules of itself, not just, oh, I kill things. This right. guy is his own thing, and the rules support it. Yeah, I like how they intertwine the rules with the fluff. So it's a well-written monster. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very nice. Okay, well, anything else that needs to be said about the Cursed Etten? Um, I think he's really cool. People should bring him, but that's about it. Yeah, and he's one of the models that Forge World's made, so... Yeah, and he's an actual model in the book. If you just want to pick one up, yeah, and all the models that Forge World did make—the mirrorworm that you guys talked about uh, the last time you covered the Arcanum, uh, the Dread Maw thingamajigger—all um, the stuff that they've come out with has been really quality stuff. And it's just like the GW stuff is good, but the Forge World stuff is just by default out of this world. Yeah, this stuff so is the, uh, 90%, 95% I will agree with you, but I'll circle back with you once we get into the next monster. But uh, that said, we'll take a break, and we'll come back and we'll talk about that monster. Hey guys, if you're the type of person who would rather have oral surgery than put a brush to a model, then let me suggest Guild Painting Services. They're a professional painting service that pride themselves on having customer interaction like going to a local commissioned painter, but having the quality and speed of a large studio. They build, paint, and convert miniatures for all game systems. They're competitively priced, and if you want to talk quality, go to guildpainting.com and check out the quality of the miniatures that they've got on display. If you're a person who likes to have a beautifully painted army on the table but doesn't have either the time, desire, or ability to bring it to that standard, you can trust your models to the guys at Guild Painting Services at guildpainting.com. You'll be glad you checked them out.
back, continuing on with Monstrous Arcanum with our good friend Alex Gonzalez. And uh, we're going to talk about what... Uh, the rogue the idol of Gork, or possibly Mork. Yes. So, Chris, this is you have a love-hate relationship with this. I, I do. Uh, you know, I've only played it admittedly in the one game against you, David, and it, it, it didn't really... Well, I, I take the back. Two games. Uh, against you, it's, it fought uh, in Ethereal all the game, so it didn't do anything. And yeah. I played against uh, Steve Herner Skaven, where it tried to kill a bunch of uh, slaves the whole game. So it didn't do much there either. Yeah. But uh, that was the baby version of the idol. So we'll talk about the three incarnations. Um, but before that, maybe we should talk about the fluff. Yeah. I oh, yeah. like the picture on this one, too. He just looks so happy. Yeah, it's so... You know what? I think, he, Chris, you have the model. He he looks thinner-waisted in the drawing. Uh, He's thinner-waisted in the drawing, yet more menacing, I feel like. Well, because he looks, he looks more top-heavy, more bulky in the picture. I kind of wish the model would have looked a little more... I, I, I say this often, but these pictures are so good. And I like the model for the Rogue Idol. I think it's very cool. But it's another one on that this? just it falls short on the picture, personally. What are your thoughts on the model, Alex? Uh, the model itself is a little derpy for me. Um, not going <laughs> to lie. It's not Minotaur bad, but mm-hmm. they could have done more with it. I think they also don't show the wood face head on the pictures a lot because it's that you know big bottom jaw Rock face. orc head. But the yeah. wooden head, I think, is a better pick than the big exaggerated jaw yeah i I agree and the the other thing i like about the drawing is it has some details that don't show on the model like uh chains and it's it's got like a bladed fist i think on the right hand it's it's got a ruined tower on top of it (laughs) yeah yeah to show the size yeah the ruined tower on top was cool all the all the and all the just gunk and stuff because it's like they put this thing together and you can see that where they've thrown it together um, well, it's really orc fecal matter that's kind of yeah taken form, right? Well, yeah, there's a lot of orc poop apparently on this thing. Well, that's great. So why don't we get into the fluff then? Besides the orc poop, Chris, why don't you explain this one? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's crudely fashioned from heaped stones and battlefield debris. Uh, they're unmentionably fetid and daubed with obscene glyphs and slogans, as would be appropriate for greenskins. Uh, some, are, some are taller than a chapel door, although some of them are big enough to um, you know, tower over the largest monsters, so they really range in size, which wow. is reflected in the rules. Uh, in war, they loom over almost everything. Uh, you know, their arms are the size of tree trunks, <laughs> so they're huge. Um, they don't need food or anything, of course, being uh, you know made of rock. And they go from butchering one unit to the next. Let's see. Yeah, the the shamans that control them, the, you know, the control over them is is tenuous, and so they often. Uh, and it's, this is also reflected in the rules. They could go off and start smashing the wrong thing, you know, friendly <laughs> unit, as it were. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, like other orc units where they have the animosity built in. This has its own sort of mechanic to reflect that. So it's an interesting, flavorful model. 
and we can talk about the uh, the stats of it. Sure. Now, this is one that's got three... Three incarnations, uh, ranging from two, four, and 600 points. The rock um, pile, the mm-hmm. rogue idol, and the great idol. So I guess the one we're looking at is the rogue idol in the model. Maybe this is the great idol that uh, is in the picture. Maybe that's why the rogue idol looks a little different. doesn't look as massive not as frightening. Uh, yeah, not as menacing. I, I, I suppose so. We could run through the stats here real quick. Sure. Uh, the rock piles move six, weapon skill three. None of these have a ballistic skill, which I think that's appropriate. Right. Uh, the pile is strength seven, tough six, six wounds, initiative two with only three attacks, and leadership eight. And that's where it is. Two, three attacks for 200 points, That's and it's such a big model. That's Yeah. Well, it, I mean, the special rules make up for it somewhat. All of these guys are large targets, stubborn. They cause terror and have killing blow. Uh, they have a two-up scaly skin, which is nice, especially yeah. with his toughness six of the rock pile. Um, they each have impact hits. Now, the rock pile has D6 impact hits at strength seven, so that helps. It's also got a, a thunder stop at, three, at, at strength seven, so that somewhat offsets the, the only the three attacks. Um, and that's about it in terms of universal rules. Some of these other ones, as they get bigger, have additional rules, but that's what applies to the rock pile itself. Now, Alex, you and I talked a little bit. I was planning on bringing the rock pile in my shooty list because it's kind of a beefed-up giant. It's a better giant in that it has a two-up armor save. Uh, it's toughness six versus toughness five. It's a little bit more survivable. Leadership is lower at an eight versus ten, and though, though they both are stubborn, you know, an eight versus a ten is a big difference. So I, I was going to use this guy, but. You and I talked about it, and I ended up going with uh, the Great Idol, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Are you really thinking about taking the rock pile, huh? He wanted to take the gun line. So right. He asked me, it's like, what would you take? Would you take the gun line and the baby one or no gun line and the big one? And I'm like, the big one? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, the only other proper answer to that? Oh, no, you actually can't. What's that? I was going to say two rogue idols instead of a oh, – but you can't because that's 800 and a great, uh, a great idol rock pile is 800 and you only have 750. 750, right. Well, you can take a rock pile and a rogue idol, I suppose. Yeah. Is that it's in the rules, Elton? Can you double up on monsters or are you limited to one? Uh, it's a rare choice. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, you could double down. You could take two of the idols, but – like a pile and an idol or two piles, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I would just rather take the biggest, earliest one and just smash face. Yeah, because they do get better. I mean, that rock pile's not bad, but then the rogue idol moves one faster at seven, one more strength, strength eight, one more toughness, two more wounds, and then it goes up to four attacks and leadership ten. Yeah, the leadership ten is is huge. Yeah. Um, the impact hits also get a little boost from D6. It gets a D6 plus 3, which is nice. Yeah. It also changes over on weapon skill to mm-hmm. 4. So it makes it a little harder to hit in combat, and then it hits a little easier. Mm. But then- it's, it's pretty good. It's a good in-between, but I think if you're going to go that one, you might as well pay the 200 extra points and go for the great idol. Yeah. Dude, that thing's got movement of 8. It's also weapon skill 4, but it's strength mm-hmm. 9, 
toughness eight, ten wounds, six attacks, initiative one, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, because here's the thing: with this leadership ten, where it gets great is um, it gets the two special rules. Yeah, these really are what sell it. Uh, oh yeah. So it's doing. Oh, by the way, don't forget it's doing two d six impact hits at strength sure. nine because it's the great idol. So it charges in and gets two d six strength nine impact hits, mm-hmm. six strength nine weapon skill four attacks, and then it's a colossal beast with largest of monsters. You want to remind everybody what that means, Chris? Uh, yeah, largest of monsters. If I'm not mistaken, he can thunderstomp anything except other monsters that have the largest of monsters rule. Is yes, that right? yeah. So he's so thunderstomping he... anything that anything else that doesn't say largest of monsters. So, so he's thunderstomping thunder like the bloodthirster. He's thunderstomping the cursed Atten. Yeah, that's not steam largest tanks, of monsters. Yeah, monsters cav. Yeah, thunderstomping the steam tank at strength nine. So and it's two d six and two d six. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's, all that's pretty good. sorts of awesome sauce. That's that's I think what makes this choice a, a winning choice. The fact that you can universally, almost universally, thunderstop anything makes this choice a winner. Yeah, I got that on my uh, Necrofex Colossus, so I know how nice mm. that is. Yeah, it's good work if you can get it. But then also, what did you just say? What Colossal Beast meant too? No, Alex, can you tell us what that does? Uh, pretty much, that means that he can't be wounded. On anything better than a three plus, regardless of what it is, mm-hmm. and then anything that would outright kill it, like a purple sun, would be the obvious answer to initiative mm-hmm. one. Just does d six wounds, so you can't ace this thing with a purple sun. It's going to take at least two mm-hmm. to do it, and then it's going to take at least two cannons to knock this thing down, and that's rolling really high. And you've got to be at least strength four to even wound it. You can't, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, strength three guys can't wound it. So all your bows bounce off it. All your, you know, strength little... poison and all that. Yeah, none of it. Yeah. It doesn't work because it can't be, can only be wounded by attacks of strength four or higher. Oh, you can you can stick this thing into a unit of witch elves and <laughs> it won't be hurt? Yeah. yeah, they can't do anything to it. Here's, but throw the last, tell the last best part, Alex. Which part? The Colossal Beast is so massive that it does... 2d6 oh, yeah. thunders hits for thunderstomp. So it's doing 2d6 on the charge. Yep. Six attacks with mm-hmm. killing blow. And then it gets 2d6 thunderstomps on everything in the game except mm-hmm. other colossal beasts. So it's really 4d6 plus six attacks is what we're looking at. On, well, the, on the charge, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you don't have to roll to hit with the bulk of it. Mm. It's roll to hit for the impact hits is the movement. But on average, you're going to be looking at about 14 between the impact hits and stomp mm-hmm. at strength 9. And then you got to figure you'll get three more from the attacks if you miss half. So you're looking at about 17 wounds for combat res. Mm. Yeah, not bad at all. If you charge in, yeah. Not bad. <laughs> now, seventeen th- wounds. Right, it's great. It does have one drawback, and uh, this, it's it's the big one. Uh, basically, uh, it if the rogue idol can charge something, it has to. Which, if anyone remembers back to the time Chris and I played with it on the air, he uh. just uh, I I parked my uh, 
ethereal in front of him, and he kept... 45-point spirit host. Yeah, and he was backing up from it, and he actually had to attack it. But either way, it tied him up all the same. Um, But basically, uh, if there's multiple targets, he can choose it. If he doesn't have a legit target to attack, he has to roll a d6. On a 1, if there's a friendly unit that he could charge, he's got to make that charge instead. So if there is no enemy in sight, but there is some other orcs, yeah. goblins and stuff, uh, he's got to take a dice, a dice roll, and on a one, he'll attack them instead. Mm-hmm. So I think you deploy this guy maybe front and center, keep all your other stuff just out of the way, and just push yeah. him forward and let him do his thing. Yeah, the only drawback is that if he doesn't charge from this rule and he rolls a one, he would then stand there, stomp and bellow and get angry, and then he doesn't move. So then it becomes, do I move up and risk this guy charging me in the back? Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, but I think Screw City this year allows a number of uh, a reroll, right, every game? Uh, yes. So that would be a good time to use that reroll, if it were happening to me. Wait a minute, just everybody just gets a reroll? Uh, there are certain things you can do to get rerolls. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. so, you that's, can earn rerolls. You can, you can get rerolls. They're not just all, okay. I was just making sure. I was like, wow, I haven't heard that before. Yeah, but having do you a want re-roll, to tell us? Do you want to tell us how people can earn those rerolls? Um, I don't remember. Uh, Sorry, I'm like the most unprepared TO to talk about my tournament. Um... Well, I know one of them was uh, if you donated paper towels to the local animal shelter or something like that, right? Yeah, that's – no, it was just the paper towel rolls. Oh, that's right. Because last year there was like a mountain of them and they didn't know how to get them to their place. Well, we did that two years ago too. They had to bring a van and they stuffed that thing full of paper towel rolls. Um, I should probably elaborate on that. The Critter Camp is a local area uh, – Exotic Animal Shelter out here in Rockford. Exotic Animal Shelter? Yeah, they take all the stuff that other shelters would normally just box, pretty much. Like Um, Kerstettens, that sort of thing? No. (laughs) Guinea pigs and tortoises and ferrets and all the other things that most other shelters won't bother with. They take a lot of that. So naturally being smaller animals, they need a lot of paper towel rolls Mm. and Every year that we've done this now, they were stocked on paper towel rolls for about six months after this tournament. Mm. So nice. do a good job for them. And they just – every time they've come to pick it up, it's like, why is it getting bigger? Mm. Like, sorry. Don't ask. Just take. Yeah. <laughs> Are you complaining about your donation? Really? Because, right. yeah, uh, we're going to have words in a minute. Yeah. So it says on the site, uh, three paper towels will earn you a re-roll with a maximum of five per player. Donating uh, to Rolls for Rolls, I like that, will earn you a bonus point. That's a bonus tournament point, I take it. Yes. Nice. Okay. And it's with the paper towels on them, not just the tube. <laughs> Did we have confusion? Who was that? Um, we had a bunch of those show up last year. And, but there wasn't a joke. I think people honestly thought that you yeah. just wanted the Rolls only. So well, I people want with the paper on them. I don't just want the tube. <laughs> I don't understand how that there was confusion on there, there. But someone honestly showed up, David, with just 
the, the cardboard tubes. <laughs> it was two guys showed up with fit with thirty tubes of just <laughs> tube. It's what like, did they do with the paper towel? Um, from what I understand, they were standing out by the dumpster and just pulled it all oh off. Oh my god! Oh no! What a waste! I know. I felt so bad. I'm like. Oh no! I really need to elaborate on this now because that was a lot of stuff that went in the trash. Did they? Did they get the tournament reroll? Yeah, I gave them the points. Yeah, just like you know, I can understand because it's a lot of small animals and like the non towel rolls and stuff like that. But it's just kind of like, why would I make you throw it away? Yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening and you're going to Sister City, bring the paper towel portion, please. Yes, preferably in plastic. So There you go. All right, well, that's it for this uh, installment of our monstrous Arcanum. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to running this bad boy at Screw City. I think it's going to be... Now, let me ask you this. Do you think there's going to be a lot of these orc idols at Screw City? I am willing to bet we will see these more than the Etten. Uh-huh. Just because it's cool just to have this big... Dirty, stompy monster just running around smashing face. Okay. I mean, he's not very complicated rules wise, so there's not a lot to think about. You just push mm. him forward and let him do his thing. Okay, I, I don't see. see the, I'm sorry. I want to see the orc and goblin player who's got the rogue idol and the colossal squig. I want to see that. I want to see uh, who's bringing yeah. the, the double, who's doubling down on the two giant orc and goblin. Monsters, because you have two monsters. Bring them both. You could theoretically be, uh, do two rogue idols and two colossal. Squig. You wouldn't have enough points. Yeah, you would. How much is a colossal squig? A hundred and thirty-five. That's cheap. Oh, that would be two seventy, and another four hundred would be six seventy. Two two rock piles, or you, you do could, one rogue idol. Yeah, you could do one you rogue could idol. Doom diver in there. Jeez, mm-hmm. oh, or a mangler. Oh, yeah, or a mangler. <laughs> Ugh, that's crazy. Chris, you know yeah. what you want to. Uh, maybe. I'm not quite sold on that giant squig, although I like the model. If Dave's going to be a thousand zombies, you can do two giant squigs and two idols. Yeah, but Dave oh, has would. Done. I'd do that deal in a heartbeat. Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not coming on anymore. <laughs> Let's do it, David. <laughs> Get out of here. You well, you, you're awesome. doing it anyway, so I'm, I'm not, so not doing it. All right. Um, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Yes, we should. <laughs> All right. But in the meantime, uh, maybe we should play a little bit of uh, Would You Rather. Oh, yes. It's time for Would You Rather. Yes. So, Alex, we're going to ask you uh, three simple questions, all Warhammer-related. Uh, you just have to pick one of the two options. Okay. I thought we were going to be on point hammered there for a second. No, it's not going to get hammered. that crazy. Although yeah, the no. third one gets a little nutty. but Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll start you off here. Uh, would you rather play in a heavily comped tournament or a no-paint-required tournament? Oh, that's an easy one. That's heavy comp. Heavy comp. Okay. Fair enough. I can deal with that more than I can deal with bare plastic models. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've played in the Buckeye mm-hmm. uh, tournament a number of times, and I've loved it every time I played in their Swedish comp system. So that I can deal with. Playing against bare plastic models... Not so much. Yeah, it sucks the fun right out of it. The old um, Ard Boys tournaments where paint wasn't required, most armies had no paint on them. 
Yeah, let's not talk about that. Yeah, let's not. All right, so next David, question then. Would you rather lose a fun game or win a serious, stressful game? I would rather lose the fun game because the fun is more important to me than super stressful, serious. Um, so, Although there are some that say that winning is fun. Winning fun is winning. Winning can be fun. Fun can be winning. But there is no wrong answer. You know, my, the thing is, it's like you're having fun throughout the whole game, regardless of the outcome, as opposed to at the end of it with a stressful game where people could be a little salty. Mm. So I'd rather lose the fun game. All right. Okay. Uh, final question. Would you rather be stuffed into the pants of a giant or rotted from the inside out via Nurgle? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no wow. wrong answer. Oh, there's definitely a wrong answer. There's no right answer. But you must answer. That's the trick. Wow, this is a very deep question. Uh, <laughs> it's as deep as you want it to get. <laughs> I got depth. We talked about this earlier in the show. You missed it, Alex. We were talking about hey, people having depth of things and knowledge and stuff. and I, We've determined I got depth. You must be doing something right. Um, or horribly wrong. Horribly. Either way. Um, Come um, on. As much as I hate to say it, it'll be the giant. Oh, that's that's okay. Interesting. You, you like your chances in the giant's pants, huh? It's nothing I haven't seen before. It's just on a different scale. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just being rotted from the inside out. Okay, is... no, no, no. 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 <laughs> no. It's not just a different scale. There's also <laughs> the whole sense of proximity. That okay. is true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because if the only difference for you is scale and you're not taking into account the proximity, then we're going into a whole area here outside of the show programming generally what's generally allowed. Hey, so, I, this question just comes directly from the rules. I mean, you know, we all what? know the giant rules. What? Oh, okay. I was going to say, I've never found this question anywhere in the Warhammer book, not even in the FAQs. Hey, it's it's one of the things that giant special attacks. You know, you, a, a model can be stuffed down the pants. I didn't write this question. I'm just saying that. I'm just yeah, I'm just saying it's 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 it's, it's a, canon. It comes from the books. It's canon. This it is. It is canon. You're such a tool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, you you've you've selected uh, the pants of the giant. So very good. Thank you for playing. Would you rather? <laughs> you survived. Wow, I think I should I should get like a Klondike bar after that one because that was. <laughs> Well, you should probably take a shower and curl up into the corner of your bedroom. Yeah, that's probably true. Thanks, Chris. You distracted my night. <laughs> Glad I could help. Fantastic. All right, folks. We will be back with more stuff after this. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect 
protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. BattleFoam, protecting your army. Welcome back. Episode 101 in the books, more or less. Yeah, 101. So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot of good things planned in the upcoming episodes, uh, so I'm, I'm excited to pull it all together and yeah. get it out to you guys, the listeners. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. We've got the campaign. Everyone is – well, I haven't heard back from everyone, but I think we've pretty much agreed to the rules. I haven't heard anyone come back with any problems with the rules. So um, – that's actually going to be my next big push is I'm going to have to – I want to work on some of these dwarves tomorrow, but over the next week or two, got to paint up all my Mighty Empire stuff so I can get the board set up okay, so we can nice. uh, we can Skype, and I'll have the camera set up at least on my end. Oh, so okay. that the I was going to ask there, you if we're going to do it virtually or in person, but it sounds like you're gonna, we're going to do it virtually. I'd, I'd love to do it in per- If everyone can make it, I'd love to have us all get together one day and hang out and do it. But with everyone traveling just to put your pieces on the board – Right. Unless you're ready to just come with an, uh, uh, you know, unless the group says, hey, let's all get together and then everybody bring an army. Mm, that's not going to happen because it usually takes the whole evening or whatever just for everyone to do their moves. Right. You know, and it, you know, well, I mean, for the initial one, you're just kind of putting your stuff down and rolling against stuff. But then when you find out who you're going to play, you're going to want to write your list for list. that. Yeah. That's, that's the fun of it. Yeah. I mean, especially with all the new the, the, special, the new characters we've got, and the chance to for the for experience and 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 sort of really making a story out of it, um, I think we should just do that first setup via Skype, so that way no one has to travel for a non gaming day. Yeah, and then sure. uh, so I'm I'm so jazzed. So got a lot of cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, get on that. So we, everyone wants to play that campaign. So hurry up. I'm on it. Well, it's all set <laughs> sent out. Nobody complained. So just give me some time to get the. Uh, all the pieces of the Mighty Empires board painted up and put together and get a picture of it up on Skype and we'll go. Nice. All right. So, uh, you know what? We made everybody else play your new game, Chris. We should... Uh, oh, it's my new game. It's our new game. It's our new game. Well, I mean, you... This was your idea. This one was This one was you and I like it. And I'm so, giving you so credit So, what you're saying is you want to play a little Would You Rather. Well, I think we should. You can't make right. everybody else play Would You Rather and then we don't. Okay, so do you want me to pose a question, first question to you? Yeah, well, you, you wrote them this week, so I'll answer first. How's that? Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so number one. Uh, so, David, would you play in a heavily comp tournament, or would you rather play a no-paint-required tournament? I think I'd try the heavily comped. Uh, I just, you know, I, I don't mind playing against gray plastic. Mm-hmm. I really don't, like if we're playing down in my basement, but if I'm going there and Paying money and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's to me that's a big part of it is the is having those the the hobby aspect of it. Right, the pageantry. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I suppose if you gave me you know the choice of the actually showed me what the comp was, I may choose different depending on how bad. But I don't, I don't, I don't dislike comp. We just don't play with it. I don't think it's necessary. But if someone said, "Hey, we're all doing this," mm. I mean, heck, we're the, our campaign is all sorts of comp and i mean sure you know actually uh hearing jake talk about buckeye and its comp system that actually makes me want to try it out swedish comp doesn't bother me that much like if you're going to play one that seems to be the one to do it because it's nobody saying you can't take two of these and you can't have one of these and if you have four of these you're out of the get out 
you know, it's just, hey, don't go below zero. Right. Um, and I like the banding. I really did like the banding talk yeah, I about did too. that because that at least the first couple of days you get you you, you know you're going to have chances in your games. You're going to play at least with something similar, mm-hmm. which sort of you know. Then if the second for more level playing field, right? You're playing with the same. At least that first day, yeah. I mean, if you go yeah. in the next day, I mean, you could have come in as a level three guy going against a level one and get get you know get stepped on. Mm-hmm. But hey, you knew you knew that might happen coming in. You know that sure. if you were at the top of your band, that it might happen. And I think that it would alleviate any of the, you know, some. You know, I've gone with soft list before and come back and said, man, that was really stupid. You know, like right. I should, you know, because then. But this this at least tells you, you know, where you where you stand in relation to others. Yeah, it just seems it just seems smooth. Like it seems like a really good way to handle it. If you're gonna have the comp and the comp scores in there, and it's gonna count for something, rather than just saying, "Hey, you know, you have to be in," or even if because I know there's some terms that say you have to be between a six and a fourteen or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, right. so they, they 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 narrow the comp range so everyone's closer. This one, they they you could take your filth. You can take a zero point list. It's just going to be harder for you, and the first day you're going to be fighting other zero point lists, which is what you kind of went there for. Sure. If you're a zero point list, you know, if you're a zero comp or a one comp list maker, you know, you you, you obviously don't have a problem playing those kind of lists. So that's right. That's be prepared to face again, face yeah. the list of the same power type. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'd rather go to a heavily comp tournament than a no paint required tournament. Uh, yeah, one is nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't say bothers me more, but having to play against you know, like an all primed army or all plastic, well, just kind of the game though. loses something. Yeah, I mean it, it does, and I did, you know I always I always feel bad when you say that because you play so often against my plastic. Well, that's different. It, basement games are different from right. a tournament. Yeah, and in a tournament, I totally get. But I, see, I just wonder if there's a, if I know like when I go to a tournament and I see stuff that's barely three colors, you know. Like I've got you know a green or a brown base and one base coat color on the guy and then well I painted this part here and that part there so there's two other colors so I got my minimal you know it's, it's frustrating because they, they you know you want you know everyone says three color minimum you when you like you said when you pay money you want to go and you want to see some to a tournament standard mm-hmm. uh, especially when it says it has to be and you're playing with people who have models that aren't. Yeah, that's that's that happens. I mean, at, at bits you always have a handful of those. Um. See, and I guess it comes down to what you know. I guess that's the only reason it kind of frustrates me because it says in the rules you have to have it, and if you don't, you know, nobody wants to be the guy who walk up and say, "Hey, you can't have those models on the table." Right, you can't. Yeah, we want everyone as much, much as many people to play, right, to participate. Right. Want to boot someone for that? So you know, I'm not even saying boot them, but you know, you come up, it's not painted. Those models got to come off the table. Nobody wants to do that to a person either. Embarrass them and do that to them. But the whole point is in the pack, and you play. And I'm just wondering if you knew it was no paint requirement coming in. Most people are going to bring a painted army, but if you're trying something new, I, we had this conversation before. I know a lot of times, at least in our tournaments, I said I, I wouldn't mind a no paint, but it's also in that thing where uh, you know. Paint scores are worth so much that basically, if you don't paint your army, you can't win. So you right. can come in and play, but you ain't going to win with a no painted army. Mm-hmm. I'm that, okay with that. That I don't have that much of a problem with, if you know in advance. But uh, 
I know some people, if that was in the rules pack, might opt not to go because, once again, I'm not going to spend all this money and go and play against bare plastic. Right, right. And that's a personal choice, you know. Me, personally, I don't want to take a new player and be like, oh, you can't be here or this is no good. Although I will say that the one-day tournament that's coming up on Saturday at Dragster Games, uh-huh. paint paint is not required. Okay. So maybe for, you know... I like to have my cake and eat it too. Whereas the the one day tournaments, I'm okay with having no paint requirements. But the two day GTS, I think if you're going to pay the money and travel to it, you know, yeah, you should have it painted. Yeah, if it was a two day GT that said you didn't have to have painted armies, I, I honestly I might very well pass. I only get yeah, to go it's... to four or five big tourneys every year, and five is actually pushes more like three to four big tourneys, big GTS every year, and. uh I do find myself getting a bit, uh, I get a bit, uh, you know, shirty with well, seeing that there's, uh, you know, oh, you get your almost not painted army sitting there. Well, you you have that right. I mean, you're, it's just your time and, and money. Exactly. You know, in terms of you how know. you want to spend it. So I hear you. So I guess that's just where I'm coming from. I hope I didn't over explain that or anything like that. I just didn't no, know no, if I was getting all. it across. Not at all. So let me let me ask you the second question. Would you rather lose a fun? I think I know the answer to this. Lose a fun game or win a serious game? <sighs> this is one that really depends on when we're playing because you know at that end of the tournament when you need those points, I want I'll take uh-huh. that stressful nail biter. Um, look at me win at all costs. No, I guess yeah, not. Uh, really, honestly, I, I a fun game. I'm I'm I. I, I, I how am I going to – I just want to make sure I'm saying this the right way. Uh, <laughs> I will always pick a fun game, w- win or lose. I mean, honestly, I just – I want to go and have a good time. I'm going to play my best. I'm going to I'm gonna do my best. I'm going to try to win. But if it if it gets to pulling teeth or gets to be not fun, then it's like, well, what the hell am I doing here? Right, you know, right. What's the point then? Yeah. I spent money – I didn't spend money to come get aggravated. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I will always pick the fun game. Um, I mean, it's satisfying to win the stressful nail biter, you know, or the 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 stressful. Uh, uh, yeah, game. I agree. I agree. If it's if it comes down to it, I would rather if I'm going to go through that experience, the stress of it. I'd rather, of course, I think anyone would would rather walk away having earned that win. Yeah. Well, you know, come to think of it, I guess you know, I guess maybe unless. Are, you know, everyone so far has picked you know fun game, and is that? I wonder if that's just a, a product of the Midwest. If you'd rather win, I guess that I guess it becomes in what does this stressful serious game mean? I mean, is it argumentative? Is it rules lawyering? Is it uh, any of the above? You it know, could be you know an army or a game where you just you're just grinding the whole time. Yeah, because I mean, I've played games that I've taken them very serious when we're playing yeah. because it's it's tight and it's close. Mm. And you know you get you get kind of serious at times, um, and those have been fun too. I guess there's a difference though. I think we've all most of us have played those games where at the end of it you're just exhausted, and and you can't enjoy the moment of the game because you're too busy focusing on this or watching your opponent do that or you know yeah. any. Number. I guess I just want to clarify that that's what you meant, you know, because I I, I like a good close game that we take kind of serious and we're really just trying to outwit each other and outplay each other. But I guess it's the tone, you know. So to the point where to the point where it's not a fun game anymore. Right. It becomes yeah, I gotta precisely. win. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah. yeah. Then I would always pick the I always pick the fun game over. Yeah, there. I, I think. Yeah, I would too. Because, like you said, what's the point otherwise? Yeah. 
I truly don't understand not. You know, and maybe that's uh, spoken as a guy who doesn't win GTs. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But um, I just, I, I didn't get into this hobby for aggravation. And if it's going to be not, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to cause you stress. <laughs> exactly. So once it becomes not fun, then okay, you got it. Take it. Right. You know, that's. Yep, I hear you. I think well, this a, goes back to our, our discussion about, uh, you know, as you get to the higher level tables. And, and and things start to become questionable in terms of integrity, then your fun factor could go down. True. So, I don't know. Something to consider. Yeah. It's a good question. It's um, an interesting one. Yeah. But the, the final question, are you ready for this one? <laughs> Would you rather be stuffed into the pants of a giant or rotted from the inside out courtesy of Nurgle? Okay, I got a question about this. I want mm-hmm. a clarification. Okay. Rotting on the inside out and dying? Like just, just the end result is I'm dead, <laughs> or because a lot of times you get when you get blessed by Papa Nurgle, you turn into either I mean at the very least a plague bearer or something. I, I, I would say you interpret it however you feel and then run with it. All right. See, I just got a feeling if I'm picked up in the middle of battle and shoved in those nasty, disgusting giant pants mm-hmm. where the fight is still going on and he's gonna fall. Yeah. I mean, death getting crushed. Under a giant scrotum, I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm taking Nurgle because you never know. You're if going you- Nurgle. Yeah, yeah, I like popping Nurgle. And the fact is, look at all the Nurgle fluff, man. You start rotting in that, you embrace that, and suddenly you could be, you could go far in the Nurgle organization. Yeah, but him- you may, go, you might go far, but you wouldn't consciously be aware of it. So why not? Because you're you're no longer human. I think your psyche would be well. It depends. You can if accept you are big, it, and yeah, you like the more chaos do. You can accept it and move with it and go with no, it. No, that's that's the that's the whole thing of chaos. It, it being fickle. If you want to experience and just be along with the ride, chaos will take that away from you. Uh, possibly, but they reward their faithful servants too. Papa Nurgle is very loving to his children. Okay. So, so you're you're going the Nurgle route, huh? I think so. I think so. For the opportunity to become like a Nurgle demon prince, you know, if you could work hard <laughs> enough, you could never know where you wind up. You know what the chances to... of that are, fluff-wise? It's like one in a million, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, you know what? You can go and get battered to death by a giant penis. I will go and take my chances. <laughs> All I'm saying is... Because I at the, the end, chances... I got a small chance of glory. You got no chance of glory. Maybe glory is, is a separate issue. I'm talking about survival. I think you have a chance to survive being stuffed down a giant's pants. You have no chance against Nurgle. Well, there is some chance. There's a chance of becoming an exalted champion of Nurgle, but yeah. I digress. No, yeah, I guess you got a chance of surviving, although people are still attacking it, and it's going to fall. You're not surviving that. You could survive. If I mean, you're the slow enough rules. and stupid enough to get grabbed by the giant and stuffed in his pants, and then he <laughs> fall down, and then you're crushed by sweaty just you know swamp parts. butt and you know <laughs> he slips and falls funny next to you your head's up a giant's backside you know it there's there's that's i'm i think there is a higher chance of survival there nurgle your toast do you want to survive after that what kind of post-traumatic stress are you going to have getting jostled I'm... around with the giant's meat and tubage you know they don't <laughs> bathe you know they're disgusting creatures don't you think the potential for more 
putridness is higher with Nurgle, though? Of course, but you accept it. You get the blessing of Papa Nurgle. You can join his side. You There's no blessing. side to join. There's no you side to join by getting stuffed in a giant's pants. You truly are Nurgle at heart, aren't you? I am. I mean, you want to go play for the other team, get all excited about getting stuffed in a giant's pants, be my guest. Hey, I'll I'm pass. not getting excited about it. I think it's the lesser of two evils. Oh, That's no. Do you, do you want to survive that? Do you really want to survive that? You'd be forever known as... <laughs> the survivor. You'd be yeah. known as the survivor. Chris, Chris, uh, your name will be changed to Chris Giant Pants. The whole town, that was okay. the guy. That guy was the guy who was stuffed in the giant pants. Or he survived the attack of the giants. He's our hero. Yeah, because someone's going to forget the whole part where you survived the battle in the pants of the giant. That would well, be... compare that to you being... You know, a quivering mass of green jello, thanks yeah. to Nurgle. Yeah, but that quivering mass of green jello is going to come and kill all the humans around afterwards because it's going playing for the other team. That's what it's doing. Gotcha. That's what it's doing. All right. Well, this is so where you and I so just obviously disagree. you're not taking Nurgle. You're going. You're yeah, going, going giant, giant pants. I'm going giant pants. So we got. I'm in there with uh, Jake and Alex trying to survive. <laughs> Jake, Chris, and Alex in a giant's pants. That might be the ep- name of this episode. <laughs> Down Could the Giants' be. pants. That's um, that's what we're calling this one, episode one hundred and one. Down the Giants' pants. And with that, like folks, I think we have a show. Down the rabbit hole, but the Giants' pants. <laughs> don't call right. it down the rabbit hole. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> don't take it there. So that is a show. Uh, I think so, folks. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, you know we've uh, still got some dice. And still got a hoodie. We still haven't heard from all the winners of the contest. Those who we have to, I, dude, I got to get this stuff shipped out. And some people I got to ship to England. I got to ship that whole battalion oh. box, that guy who won is from England. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's. That's yeah, not going to be cheap. No, the show's sending that out via. Yeah. yeah we're slow boating that. No offense. Right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they're suffering from animosity, so it's going to yep. take them a while. But uh, it was so fun that, like, seriously, I put out the show late that night, and like by the time I woke up in the morning, I already had like two. I won. Nice, nice. I well, I'm sure people was, wanted to know. Yeah, no, it was great. I had a good, and that was so much fun. We I had a really good time. It was a lot that. of fun. So, all right, Chris. So, uh, episode 102. We'll talk a little Garage Hammer 102 in episode yep. 102, and then a lot of hobby. A lot of hobby. Uh, some campaign talk, hopefully. Uh, Absolutely, no giant pants though. No giant pants. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Or Nurgle, if that's your, that's your short. <laughs> so we will uh, talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Yep. Have fun, folks. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forum at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at GarageHammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at GarageHammer.net. And you can reach both of us through GarageHammer at Live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.